0: From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in the world's 25 time zones. Each and every one covered like a warm blanket by this program, Midnight in the Desert. I would be Art Bell. And it is my pleasure to be here tonight. I've got a lot to talk to you about, and then I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And probably myself. This is a story I have never heard. It's probably a story you've never heard. So that's all coming up. Rules of the program. No bad language. Well, you know, I mean, no really bad language. People are calling me on that. Every now and then I'll say hell and damn, right? Or something. And um, so, I'm not banning those, but you know what I mean, right? No really bad language. Can't allow it. One call per show. Now I have to define it, right? Like the Supreme Court says, you know it when you hear it. (laughs) Alright, uh, we, I have news on Abby. Otherwise, known as KIC 8462852. I think we're gonna call her Abby though. Seems like a good name to me. She discovered the star, right? Alright, uh, so here's the thing. I have information inside information again. I've had it now twice from NASA, once NASA itself, once JPL, and now I have somebody inside the main scientific circles that are looking at all this right now, and I'm not going to burn this person's name. Uh, I understand that that makes you perhaps down a little bit, uh, what you're about to hear. But I beseech thou, please go to ArtBell.com immediately. ArtBell.com, because I'm going to ask you to look at a chart, and I almost never, ever do stuff like that. But this is important. Go to uh, ArtBell.com, and right below tonight's guest info, you will find a chart. This is the chart. What this shows is the dimming of ABBY. It's no minor matter, and the information I'm about to give you does come from inside the main scientists looking at this. And that's all I can say. You're just going to have to trust, and I do, that the information is accurate. The first 16% dimming event was a weird one. The light curve would suggest that the object is monolithic and triangular-shaped. Ta-da! This fact is what's driving all the scientific interest because that is exactly the kind of structure that you would build to announce your presence to the universe. You... Don't see big opaque triangles in nature doesn't happen. If the spectra show the object to be opaque when it comes back around, then it can only be explained as an alien megastructure that was probably constructed to announce the presence of the civilization. That would imply that they wish to make contact. Whoo hoo. There is a slim chance it could well be conglomerated comet tails. Very slim. They too can appear triangular. However, as you'll see in graph C, and that's what I've got up for you right now, graph C of Slate link below. Well, below my guest, <laughs> which is um, uh, close up to the 800 event. What they call the 800 event. That's the big dimming, right? Notice how smooth the curve is. As time goes on, it exponentially blocks more and more light until at the very end it abruptly drops off. That indicates that a perfect isosceles triangle passed in front of the star. This is hot stuff I'm giving you this morning. The Hubble Space Telescope is now on standby to look at K.I. Abby. We'll call, call her Abby. The moment a dimming event is detected, the first second they detect any dimming, Hubble is ready to go. They'll use the STIS instrument to look at the spectrum of whatever the object is and get this. They may even get an image of it as they did with the exoplanet orbiting Formalot. The triangle feature is being referred to as, in quotes here, The Imperial Star Destroyer, informally for for fun among scientists because it is a huge, slow-moving triangle. So now, using that phrase, some of the scientists will know that I have an in, but I'm not going to burn my sources. The Imperial Star Destroyer, (laughs) not bad. This is big news. You don't find triangles in nature, folks. If that's what she be, Abby, then we're looking at a signal to us that they want to make contact. Do we want to make contact? If you want to see the big event uh, charted, you've really got to see this. I mean, you've got to look at this chart. You can see the 800 event centered on that. And then the additional uh, random uh, dimmings. Imagine if they actually get a shot of the damn thing, a big triangle. Figures it would be a triangle, right? (laughs) That's how I thought of it. Figures it will be a triangle. That was my big sighting. Anyway, that's from inside the science circle looking at all this now. And, uh, again, I'm not going to burn my contact, but I'm going to tell you it's good information, as I did with NASA. I was right then. I'm right now. This is getting
1: Really exciting.
0: (laughs) I mean, it really is getting exciting. When we can lead with these kind of headlines, and it's still not a done deal, of course, but, uh, my God, folks, when has this program able, ever been able to talk about the scientific possibility of life beyond our own planet? I don't think it's sinking into a lot of people. Some people it's making angry. I got into sort of a heated email debate with somebody about this earlier, and as you know, on the air, I interviewed some very religious people from back in the Bible Belt, and uh, they're not so happy about alien contact at all. Of course, I, I threw down some pretty hard stuff to make them say that, but there is a definite prejudice against anybody else being out there. There's one God, and for a lot of people, there's only one people that he created, and we're it. All right, onward. This is another biggie I want to talk to you about. A British and U.S. officials said Wednesday they have information suggesting the Russian jetliner, Russian one, that crashed with the uh, in the Egyptian desert may have brought been brought down by a bomb. Now, if I'm a CNN junkie. I, you know, I'll admit it. I, I am. I, I watch CNN all the time. I think they were brainwashing the holy hell out of us today. Really, I mean, all day long, it wasn't... Was it a bomb? It wasn't the usual, oh, we don't want to make any guesses until we have absolute proof. It was It was a bomb. Likelihood is it was a bomb. Now, they're they're, of course, just repeating what the U.S. government and the British government are saying... I will grant you that but we're going to examine why the US and British governments would be saying that and boy was CNN their mouthpiece today Let's think about why I mean normally CNN pretty good about plane crashes all the talking heads they have on the British guy I really love but you know they all kind of were swinging in there with CNN that this was a bomb it brought it down, and, and you know, it may well turn out to be it was a bomb. But we don't know that yet, and normally CNN would be ultra, ultra careful with its talking heads. And they'd all say, but we have to wait and see. But, oh, in this case, it was most likely a bomb. Yeah, you know, we saw, you know, a heat signature when it blew up. But they're beyond that now. They're talking about inside jobs and, you know, it being ISIS and ISIS. In fact, it's taken credit, uh, perhaps not in the normal full way they do. Uh, they may be protecting an inside source. I'll give you that. And also I will give you that it may have been a bomb, but at this point we don't know that. We don't have one centilla of proof that it was a bomb. No chemical analysis, nothing. And I'm telling you that normally CNN would be very circumspect uh, about calling it something like this. I think they're calling it what the American-British government wants it called. We want it to be a bomb. I, that sounds horrible, right? But in a way we do, because it was a Russian aircraft, passenger aircraft, that, if it was a bomb, came down as a result of it. So there's a big backstory here with what CNN is doing, and I think they are cooperating with the American government here, and I almost count this as propaganda. And again, please, I'm, I'm not saying it's not a bomb. It could well turn out to be. But normally they would never, ever cover it with this kind of assurance, saying bomb. So why are they doing it now? Well, because the American and British governments, the American government mainly wants them to do it. That's what I think. I understand what I'm being pro- propagandized. When you've been out of the country and observed the world political process underway from outside the country, you have a very different perspective of uh, the American media. And I have that different perspective. And the way I see it is as follows. We want it to be a bomb because it's a Russian airliner. Now, now let's consider what's going on in Syria for a second, okay? Incredibly dangerous. Oh, God, it's dangerous there. So we've got Assad, a guy that we ostensibly wanted out, right? We wanted him out. He was horrible. Uh, then, well, we sort of reconsidered a little bit, and we haven't said much lately, like, well, you know, maybe Assad's better than whatever might come next. But still, we officially don't want Assad there. The Russians are in Syria now, in a big way, tanks, troops, bombing. But they're not bombing ISIS. They're helping us to death by bombing, but they're bombing the wrong people. They're bombing the the rebels who want to take down Assad. In other words, Russia's in there militarily propping up Assad. We've been complaining bitterly about it now for a long time, right? What do we want Russia to do? We want them them to, to bomb who? ISIS, of course. So if this can be a bomb put in a plane by ISIS, then it might make the Russians really, really angry enough to begin actually bombing the people we hoped they would bomb. ISIS. So... While we're normally extremely circumspect, I mean, how many? We've seen a lot of plane crashes lately, right? And they're always very cautious. So, what's up this time? Is there a connection between what the US government and Britain say and then what CNN is hyping up? Yup, I think so. Anyway, for your consideration, Um, You can write to me and let me know whether you think I'm right, wrong, or upside down. Then we've got the case of the USS Kitty Hawk. What is that? You know what the Kitty Hawk is, right? It's a great big super carrier. Kitty Hawk was in the Pacific, along with the ships that tend to her. And surprise, surprise, oh, Captain... Look, oh, off the port bow, it's a Chinese sub surfacing. <laughs> That's right, a Chinese sub uh, surprised everybody by surfacing uh, near the Kitty Hawk. Now, my guess would be that somebody's head is gonna roll because of this. I can't know that for sure, but eh, I'm guessing. You know, they they, they were supposed to. Uh, be protecting the carrier, and you were not supposed to ever get surprised by something like a Chinese submarine? (sighs) So that's what's going on in the world. Now, forget all that stuff, except the star. That's very important. And let me tell you about what is coming up next. Deborah Moffat is just a regular person. An experiencer behind the acclaimed books, A Deadly Haunting, and Unwelcomed, which draw upon the frightening experiences she and her family endured, at the hands of their unseen tormentor. Vastly intelligent and destructive, this demon wrought havoc in their lives and home, resulting in a daily battle to maintain their own sanity. After 25 years, Deborah decided to tell her story, detailing what went on in her family's home during the six-year nightmare in which this entity plagued them. For these six years, can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine it? For these six years, the Moffat family was terrorized by a demon from the past, a demon that claimed that Lee Moffat was promised To him as a sacrifice. Hundreds of years ago, the entity had come to collect. There were no safe havens. There was nowhere to run. The Moffat family had only one option, as we would all have survive. And so, in a moment, the Moffat story,
1: a true haunting.
2: At the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground?
3: The man a take a walk on the wild side of midnight from the kingdom of Nye, this is midnight in the desert with art bell please call the show at one nine five two 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 five fifty two seventy eight. 225 5278 that's 1-952-call art well all right
0: then i can take it mike in uh, massachusetts said art no one's perfect I just wanna let you know before people start scolding you, it's Tabby Star, not Abby Star. Yeah, I I knew that Mike. It was just a test, and you're the only one that passed. No, Mike, I'm lying. I did blow it. And it is uh Tabby Star, it happens, I'm sorry. Tabby Star, it's Tabitha. So Tabby. I don't I don't know why I like the name Abby, but I do, and get stuck in my head. So no tabby. Tabby Star. God that's an important story all right um now to Deborah Moffat and uh you're just not going to believe what you're about to hear uh Deborah, welcome to the program.
4: Thank you, Warren. Thank you for having me on.
0: Do you prefer Deborah or Debbie or miss debbie's, <laughs> debbie's fine or Miss Moffat
4: debbie's fine
0: All right. <laughs> debbie it is um okay debbie um I guess in this, you have just, you know, I blabbed away most of the first half hour. So uh, if you would, please, tell us just a little bit about yourself.
4: Uh, actually, uh, I have three children. Still live in the same house where this the last part of this story occurred. Uh, retired. And Mr. Entity has been gone 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've never heard another thing from him.
0: Well, if you have three children, then uh, that's what you do.
4: Right, (laughs) that's true.
0: Uh, So this all occurred that long ago, Debbie. Is that right?
4: Yes, yes, it did. It happened. It actually started before I was even in the scene. Mm -hmm. It happened. I married my husband in 1987. Right. And this actually started from what we can. um, The researchers that came to study it think it started back in 1980. Was had to do with a. I'm sorry,
0: uh, I missed the year. 1980 something.
4: 1984, 1984, and it had to do with a Guatemalan housekeeper who practiced uh, uh, Santeria.
0: Ah, yes. Um, okay, so who got her upset?
4: Well, back in 1984, uh, this my husband's mother, her mother, his grandmother had a stroke, and they hired a Guatemalan housekeeper to take care of her. Right. And they lived. She lived right next door to my my uh, mother-in-law and, and my husband. Right. And. Uh, the Guatemalan housekeeper, very nice lady, I don't think from what I've been told, did any of this on purpose. She was afraid that when she lost her job, when the, when the grandmother died, she'd have to go back to Guatemala. I see. So I think she was trying to keep the grandmother alive as long as she could. And what happened is she opened some type of a, a door and allowed something to come in.
0: Is this sort of all guesswork, or do you have any firm reason to believe that's what happened?
4: There's, it's partly guesswork, partly from what my mother-in-law found at the house. After her mother died and Juanita left the house, uh, they went to clean it, and they found strange markings all through the house. They found candle wax, broken rosary beads, and blood and feathers. Oh. So from, from what we they told the, the researchers that came to the, to the new house, they believe that that's probably what happened. Because they can think of no other... No, no other way, you know, why this started.
0: Okay, but, uh, yeah, that's quite a bit. Uh, you said feathers and, and blood and what else?
4: Uh, broken rosary beads, feathers, rosary beads. candle wax, and strange symbols all through the house.
0: Okay, so there was practice going on in the house, no question about that.
4: right. Well, I I I do
0: agree. I do certainly agree, Debbie, that um, when you dabble in such things, uh, you do leave open the door for something you don't want as well as something you do want.
4: Yes. Like I said, I don't believe she did this, you know, anything to happen on purpose. She was just trying to keep the grandmother alive to save her job.
0: Yeah, But it didn't
4: matter. Something evil did come through.
0: Yeah, so I get that, but I read in the opening that uh, Lee Moffat was promised to him as right. a sacrifice hundreds of years ago. Right. Now, that's different than somebody practicing Santeria and calling the wrong thing across.
4: Well, Bob, this is a story that now the entity used to communicate with us by writing on a mirror with soap. Really? And it could, it would write from morning, noon, and night. And it t- it told me the story because one I one of the times I asked it, "Why are you doing this? Why are you here?" And it told me why it wanted Lee okay. that he was in a he was in not now i don't mean in physical form, but he was in a monastery way back in the sixteen hundreds, and some of the monks there practiced satanism and they promised him a blood sacrifice, and it never came to fruition and the lady she wasn't sacrificed, but he believed because she was promised to him Lee. In a past life, now he, she still belonged to him, and now he found her and he came to collect her.
0: Okay, I want to be straight about this. Lee, or Lee to be, <laughs> was promised in a past life to this demon. Right. Um, And uh, so it wasn't Lee per se. It was, uh, well, I guess it was Lee. How could they know to promise Lee would be there? that far ahead of time?
4: I don't know. They promised her in the, that lifetime with the, in the monks. With the monks, they were going to sacrifice her, and something happened, and she wasn't sacrificed. So uh-huh. he still believed she belonged. This is what the demon wrote to me. So she, he still believed that she, <laughs> she belonged to him, and he came to collect her.
0: Wow. So uh, Lee came to collect her. You mean... I, th- I thought Lee was your husband. No.
4: No, Lee is my mother-in-law.
0: Your mother-in-law. Okay. No, I'm my, sorry. my husband's mother. I'll get it all straight.
4: It's it's a complicated story.
0: Okay. All right. Um, so that Lee, the mother-in-law, was promised to this demon um, in a previous life. In other, in other words, some kind of almost like a curse, I guess.
4: I guess so. Yeah.
0: In other words, don't take me, but you can take somebody in a lifetime or two or three or whatever, uh, somewhere down the line in my lineage.
4: Right. From what I understand, it was her. He gave an impression that it was her, that, you know, that this was a previous life of hers.
5: Okay.
0: Yeah. That would make sense. Uh, but one would imagine there was a deal cut. In other words, don't take me. Take somebody from my lineage somewhere down the line.
4: I don't know. I'm just. I'm so, just, I'm I don't gonna,
0: know is a good answer.
4: Yeah. I, I don't I, know. I, as a, you know what? There are so many things about this to this day that I still don't know.
5: I'm
0: you know, glad you're saying I don't know. Listen, I really worry when somebody comes on the show with me, Deborah,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and gives me an answer to everything I ask. When I hear somebody finally say, I don't know, I love it. Oh, it gives, no, it gives credibility to the story. You know, usually you ask, you push hard enough, and somebody says, well, the demon told me one night when I had a deep sleep, you know, or something like that. In other words, they try to provide an answer to every single question you ask. And as an interviewer, I've learned that's not a good sign. So stand by, Debbie, and we'll get back to you. This, of course, is uh, Midnight in the desert. I'm telling you right now, I'm hearing voices. Voices in my head. (laughs) Did any of you hear what I just heard? Did you? Anybody out there?
3: Sniff our packets. Then, with a smile on your face, please call the show at one nine five two two five fifty two seventy eight. That's one nine five two. Call art. You should always be smiling. Actually,
0: um, Mike in Virginia said, Are you planning on doing a prediction show this year? Huh, of course, Mike. It's a tradition, has been... Uh, the only thing I don't have, of course, is last year's predictions to make bonks out of, so it'll be a very positive show, looking ahead only, or maybe two days of it. I don't know. And then, you may have heard my remark prior uh to the break, that I was hearing voices in my head. <laughs> um... David uh yes I was hearing voices and I called uh Keith who operates you know the board down there in Arizona and I said Keith I'm hearing voices now either they heard it on the air and will tell me or you you did it there and he said no oh, not me not me and then um, a moment passes he he said oh god I left the mic on and let me tell you there's nothing more demonic than the Roland voice in your ear. Demonic indeed. Uh, And since I'm on the subject of the wormhole and messages you can send, if you are a time traveler, uh, you get to pick... By the way, we've got between 75 and somewhere like 80 shows now in the hopper. You can go back and you can listen to old shows. You can hear last night's show in the afternoon when you want to hear it and you have access to the, uh, uh, the wormhole and you can send me messages about how I screw up and, and so much more. All right. That said, yes, Roland's voice is demonic indeed. Uh, Debbie, welcome back. Thank you. All right. Um, so I would assume then uh, that long ago your children were about what age when this began?
4: When this began, my one son had just been born in 1987. Right. And then the other two were born in 1990. They're twins. Oh. So until this this came out in 2014, uh, they knew nothing about it. We had never spoke about it in the house. So I had to tell them about it before I even wrote a book about it.
0: Okay. Um, And here we go. We're now going to begin to get about it what what really happened this is so well documented all of this uh, i know that for example uh somebody i trust implicitly was there with you dr evelyn paglini who helped you out i guess substantially you can confirm that right
4: dr evelyn paglini was awesome she was a wonderful lady okay i mean when she came to the house i mean she came in with such courage and such confidence
5: that,
0: that, I that was Evelyn. looking
4: at her! I thought the, 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 we're saved. This lady's going to save us.
0: If anybody could, she'd be the one. Uh, the Warrens yeah. were the Warrens also uh, involved yes, somehow. And yes, and the
4: Lorraine Warren came. Really? Yes.
0: Uh, but I guess Evelyn Paglini helped out a bit more.
4: Uh, she couldn't. She couldn't get rid of it.
0: Couldn't get she rid of tried.
4: it. Wow. No. Wow. And the entity hated Dr. Paglini.
0: I can imagine.
4: He absolutely hated Dr. Paglini. He, every every minute, was writing nasty things about her, vulgar things about her on the mirror. Um, but she said, she told us, she said, I can't get rid of this. She said, it's too powerful. It's ancient, it's old, and I can't get rid of it.
5: Let
0: me she tell you, for it, Dr. Paglini, that's one hell of a statement.
4: I, I know it, because I thought, I thought she'd be the one. But she said, she was actually worried for my mother-in-law's life. Oh, yes. She said, I can suggest something to do. Whether you do it or not, it's up to you. She said, this this deity, she called it an ancient deity. or, or She never really called it a demon. She called it more of a deity. Okay. She said, uh, if you take one room upstairs and empty it and give it the room and pay homage to this, this will, won't will hurt you and it will actually make your life better. She said, because I, I can't get rid of it. And I don't know if your mother-in-law can be saved. So
5: oh, good lord!
4: That—that's what she—that's what she suggested.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, let us now go back to the very first thing, and—and uh, and you're still in the same house, right?
4: Well, see, it was—it started at a different house.
0: Oh, it began. Yes, all it right. A- so, at this different house located where In what?
4: It, where it very first started, it started. It's in Rancho Cucamonga okay. on Archibald and their own Freeway, uh, highway. Excuse me.
0: I always thought and, there was something um, wrong with Rancho Cucamonga. I could never <laughs> pin it down.
4: <laughs> uh, and this, where, there were like three houses right on the corner, right there. And my mother-in-law and father-in-law owned the one in the middle. There, her mother owned the one next to it, okay. and my husband owned the one on the other side. All right. Well, so the let's three dea- houses were all connected.
0: Let's deal with the house you were in. Uh, was it limited to that house, by the way?
4: No. and went all three houses were affected.
0: Oh, my goodness. All yes. right. All right. Uh, um, start with the first thing that ever happened.
4: No, I can start with the first thing that happened that I can confirm because I actually saw it.
5: Fair the
0: enough.
4: that happened earlier, I never saw it, so it's only hearsay. Fair enough. Thank what you. I actually witnessed, uh, the first thing was a Ports. Um, we we had a tenant that moved into, my husband rented his, his house out, and we lived with his mother and father. Right. Uh, he had a heart condition, and he just felt closer, felt safer living together. So we all lived together. Right. Uh, we rented out his house to a gentleman. Uh, he had a large sports collection, my husband. So he left one room in the house locked, and the gentleman had free run of the house, but he couldn't touch this room. Got it. Uh, we would go down periodically to check on the room the very first thing that happened is we walked into his we unlocked the door where his sports memorabilia were and so, it something had taken all the bobbleheads baseball bobbleheads off the wall and put them into the shape of a triangle on the floor
5: oh, oh my all
0: right
4: and of course and this is
0: locked was, all the time is that right
4: this was locked we were the only ones with key but you automatically think you don't think something's happening. We automatically thought the tenant did it,
0: well, so that's we just yeah, but that's him. just bad. I mean, then you think you have somebody you can't trust,
4: right, but at least you can see that that person and you can deal with them true um, we confronted him. He said, "I've never been in that room. I never touch it.
0: I have a room like that in my house um there's nothing but very expensive, uh, very complicated radios inside, and so nobody goes in there.
4: Right. That's why Bill felt about his sports collection.
0: I fully um, understand.
4: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and so here are bobbleheads on the floor in a triangle.
4: Right. Uh, we locked it back up, talk, like I said, talked to the tenant. Well, he assured us he didn't touch it. Well, we, what could we say? We, we thought he did, but we said, well, don't do it again. Right. Uh, within a week's time... <laughs> My mother-in-law was very religious. Yes. Next to her bed, she had a uh, a stand with all types of religious statues on it. One morning, she wakes up and on the statue of Jesus is a pair of men's briefs. Bad. Out of out of nowhere, of course, she thought she thought one of us was playing a joke. You know, what are you doing? We couldn't. We could, None of us could figure out how it got there. At that time, none of us even understood what an report was.
5: Well, look,
0: even uh, even I don't know what it is. What is it?
4: It's uh, something that moves, uh, something like uh, an object that moves without anyone physically moving it.
0: Right. Okay. Well, here's what I think. Uh, th- there's almost nobody, regardless of their religion, who would would do something like that. I mean, it's it's just so highly disrespectful. Um, I can't imagine. Of course, I don't know your family. But I can't imagine anybody would hang some underwear on uh, a cross. No way.
4: No. It was. It was. It, she was very upset. And it, it progressed from there. Pretty soon we started getting all kinds of different clothing on her, her statues. Then we couldn't figure out where they were coming from. Then we started getting mail and receipts. And they were all coming from the tenant. The, they were coming from the house next door.
0: Um, receipts? You mean he was buying stuff?
4: Sure, he would like would be receipts where he bought some clothes, and he had a receipt for them. Yeah. And they'd end up on her chest by her religious statues. Oh, oh,
0: I, see, I see. I see. So it started all around religious uh, artifacts.
4: Right. Uh, we went down to a house. We. It's very hard to to explain to the man. Listen, we have your things to put our house. <laughs> you know, you, you can't. You can't do that. you would think we took the things from his house. That
0: wasn't. Was that his underwear?
4: Yes. Oh, well, good Lord. Um, was I don't know for sure. You know, at the
0: beginning of that, I, I would, if, as a woman, and I'm not, I'd have reason to worry uh, <laughs> if a, another man's underwear shows up on a cross over <laughs> my bed or near it. Well, sure. I mean, at this point, they're probably, I don't know what you're thinking. You're thinking somebody broke in?
4: Right, that was another theory my mother-in-law thought. Maybe somebody came in when we weren't here. Right. Because, you know, you don't go to the su- supernatural, you go to, to reality. Of course. And you try to justify things. Of course. But we couldn't. There was just nothing that we could, we just didn't know what was going on. Went back down to the house like a couple weeks later, and he, was, he wasn't he was home. And we noticed over all the light fixtures, where you click the lights on and off. Yes. Someone had made strange symbols. And it looked like they were drawn in in uh, crayon.
0: Well, so, now, you did have children in the house, of course.
4: No. My children, oh. my one son was only like a month old.
0: Oh, okay.
4: That was oh, it. I and don't imagine was slithering
0: over. out of his... Uh...
4: No. no. Okay. And this gentleman was all alone. Gotcha. So then, within a few weeks, the gentleman said, I'm leaving.
5: Don't
0: blame
4: and him. And give us a reason why. He just said... I'm going and with him he told us that on Friday and by Sunday he was gone.
0: Okay, so I would guess that he was experiencing things over there or tired of getting accused of doing things over there.
4: Right, that's what I think too. He wouldn't talk about anything. He just left. So he was gone. Okay. Um we went we went when he left up to the house to to t- look at it to see what needed to be cleaned to re-rent it. Right. My husband goes in his room. I stood in the living room, looking around, seeing what needed to be cleaned. There was a long shelf on the top of the the wall, ran the whole length of the living room, with all kinds of knickknacks. Right. I looked at it, and then I looked back, and I looked again at it. Within like a blink of an eye, every single thing on that that shelf was turned backwards. Within a blink of an eye.
5: Oh, bad.
4: My husband came out. I said. You're not going to believe this, and he didn't. He said, no, you didn't see it right to begin with. They were all turned backwards. This, maybe this man had problems. He did these weird things, so so just let it go. So mm. I knew, though, that I what I saw.
0: Right. That's right. I understand. You know what you see, and what you see is what you saw.
4: Right.
5: Simple
0: as he that.
4: He made plans to come back the next day to start cleaning. He had kept, he kept the place pretty good, but it needed to be cleaned. Uh, we came in. We walked in the door. In the middle of the living room was a lamp from the bedroom, sitting in the in the middle of the floor. yeah yeah And I just looked, and my husband said, "Oh, somebody must have came in the house," Cause he didn't. He wouldn't want to believe. He was so f- afraid of the paranormal, he wouldn't want to believe something paranormal was happening. So he would try to make excuses what was happening.
0: Most normal people would.
4: Yeah. So <laughs> we put that lamp back. We went into the kitchen went in the kitchen probably for two minutes, came back into the living room, and the furniture from the dining room was stacked up in the living room.
5: Good Lord.
4: Within two minutes, and we didn't hear a thing.
0: Okay. um, At this point, um, I wonder what you were thinking, and I wonder what your husband was
4: thinking. Two completely opposite things. I looked at it as something, at the time, I wasn't familiar with with anything paranormal. I had never been frightened in my life by it. Right. I looked at this as something absolutely fascinating. Look what was happening. You know, it was like my mind was going in circles trying to figure out what was going on. My husband's first instinct was, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's go. Let's hurry. Let's get out. But I wanted to just try to understand what was going on.
0: You and I, Debbie, have different ideas of uh, what's interesting. Um, And by that I mean, for example, this star out there that could be aliens. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. A room full of furniture moving itself. I run like hell.
4: (laughs) My husband also. Feel free to... To me it was was like I just couldn't understand it. And it was fascinating to me. Uh, (laughs) I put the furniture back. He left. Uh He stood outside the door. He he didn't want to be in the house.
5: Don't blame him a bit.
4: (laughs) But, you know, the feeling in the house, there was nothing nasty feeling in the house. Do you know what I mean? The house didn't feel like an evil presence or something threatening. It was like this, and it became almost like a game. When we, when I'd go up there to clean, I would go in room or into a room and I'd say, if there's something here, move something. Yeah. Well, I was cleaning, and I'd come back, and something would be moved. So it almost became like this game where, you know, it gets you, like it grabs you. Look what I can do.
0: Debbie... A game is Candy Crush. Uh, what you're describing is no game, but I guess you were playing.
4: Real, really, because it was to me. It was. It wasn't frightening. It was amazing. At that time.
0: Okay. Um, I've got to give you props for a steel spine that I I don't have. I I would have been. I'd have been so out of there like your husband. Boy. So this went on how long?
4: Now, this went on probably for another week, and then everything just stopped. Oh. It just stopped. It was like nothing happened. We went back to the house. Nothing was moving. Everything just went right back to normal. Okay. So the next month we decided, oh, everything's back to normal now. Maybe this gentleman, you know, left something, you know, he dabbled or did something, left something wrong, and everything's gone now, so we're okay. Uh So we decided to re-rent it out. Right. Now, during this time... The neighbor on the other side that we rented out, the, the grandmother's house, and talked to my husband and said, did someone die in this house, which no one had? And my husband told him no. But he evidently had been playing with a Ouija board. And he said he contacted something on a Ouija board.
5: Oh, brother.
4: And he, and he wanted to know if anyone died in the house. My husband said no, didn't want anything more to do with it because he didn't want to even talk about it.
5: So this,
0: this excuse me, this neighbor... Wanted to know if anybody had died because he had been playing with a Ouija board.
4: And had contacted someone.
0: Uh, Okay. Um, Uh, And I presume stuff began to happen to him.
4: We don't know. He never said a word. But one strange thing that happened, his son, he was like 20, 21 years old, moved in with him. Um, We saw his son. This was a strange thing. We saw his son, my mother-in-law, walk by the house. She was walking her dog. And his son was in the backyard, and he was digging holes and planting trees. But he wasn't planting trees like planting trees. He was planting them upside down.
5: Huh. Uh, oh, okay.
4: Yeah. So she was going to talk to him. She said when she looked at him, he just stared at her and just stared, and she was she got frightened, and she just she left him alone. She said she didn't care if he was planting trees upside down. She just left. I get that. Planning? So things Clean were happening planning? happening on both sides, and then everything stopped. It was like it just stopped. So we thought, well, okay, everything's okay now.
0: So, so did somebody go out there and plant the trees correctly, or did they stand forever looking silly?
4: No, they died, and they were all taken, just thrown away.
5: That
0: figures.
4: Eventually, because uh, within a month or so after that, the tenant died. Okay. Monty, his oh. name was. He died. Okay. And his son moved out, so that house was empty. Um,
0: Did he die he, a natural death,
4: might I ask? He died of uh, congestive heart failure, which is funny because it seems like everybody connected with this died of con- congestive heart failure.
0: How are you My, feeling? I,
4: I feel fine. My husband died of congestive heart failure. His mother died of congestive heart failure. His father died of congestive heart failure. Hmm. His uncle that lived in the house next door died of congestive heart failure. Wow. So it seems to be something that runs through that. Apparently. Yeah, so we rented out the house again, where the tenant was from with the right. heads. So we, right. we rented that out again because everything was quiet. Sure. And like I said, there was nothing threatening that happened, so we didn't feel. I didn't feel frightened in any way. My mother-in-law and my husband, on the other hand, they were still frightened of this. Mm.
5: Did you
0: disclose uh, this new? Preve-
4: yes, you yes. did. My husband said, "You know, this house may be haunted," and they laughed. You know, it was like. Back then, it was like 1987. It wasn't like today when people are more open-minded and they understand understand more about what's really happening out there. Back then, it was more of a joke. This is a haunted house. (laughs) So they moved in. It was a younger woman and an older gentleman. Uh, They weren't married, but they lived together. Uh, The lady was very kind. We lived next door. I would talk periodically with her when I went out in the yard. You know, she was a nice lady. Then I noticed that I didn't see her very much. Oh. And then I see her in the front yard, and she's, she looks like someone had beaten her up. And I confronted her. I said, are you okay? What happened? And she told me that since they moved in the house...
0: Hold, hold it right there. Hold it. That's a great hold. Hold it right there. We've got a break. It's a long one I told you about. What do you think she said? I'm Mark Bell.
2: You get a in the dark. It's raining meantime will when life. I had
5: no doubt in my mind.
3: Midnight in the desert doesn't scream calls. We trust you, but remember the NSA. Well, you know to call the show please dial one 952 225 that's 1-952 call art Buying away my favorite ross thing <laughs> hi everybody
0: i'm art bell this is midnight in the desert i am interviewing deborah moffitt and i want to give you a warning that uh, what's coming up is going to be really frightening stuff if you well if you have a weak heart take care Perhaps it's not for the kids. So uh, the first part has been sort of, I don't know, uh, light, kind of scary for me in a way, but uh, not the heavy-duty stuff that's coming. Here, once again, uh, is Deborah Muffett. Uh Deborah, welcome back. So the neighbor was there looking as though she'd been pummeled. Right. And, and I asked, you, you asked her.
4: And she said, she told me, ever since they moved into the house, that her boyfriend had become hostile. She said she didn't know, She didn't know what had happened to him. Uh, I told her, you know, she, she had to get away from him. She said, don't worry, I can take care of myself. And that was the last time I ever saw her. Uh, the, within a week, everything was quiet, but I didn't see Michelle. Another week went by, no Michelle. I saw him out in the front yard. I said, how's Michelle? I haven't seen her in a while. He said, Michelle left. And that was, I thought Michelle left. That was the last I heard about it. Uh, within uh, within the month, he moved out. He just said he had to leave, no problem. He just was leaving. So, uh, we went up there to, to clean the house, and it was spotless. I mean, it was bleached. It was cleaned. There wasn't a bit of dust anywhere. The only thing missing was a rug. It was like a throw rug, big throw rug.
0: Suspicious. Did anybody check uh, out under the upside-down trees? Dead,
5: dead <laughs> no. trees.
4: <laughs> no. Um, so we decided we just locked it up. We didn't know. At this by this time, my husband, my father-in-law, myself, and my mother-in-law had decided we were going to sell the properties and move to a new house, a bigger house, and live together. So we were thinking, well, we just won't we won't rent anything out anymore. When Monty died, we didn't rent the other house out. When this tenant left, we weren't going to rent this one out again. Um, After he left, about a week or so, maybe two weeks later, someone was knocking at that door. I was in the front yard. I yelled over, "He doesn't live there anymore." He asked me, well, do you know where he is? I said, no. He said, did you hear what happened to Michelle? And I said, no, I I haven't heard anything about Michelle. He said, they found Michelle beaten to death, wrapped in a rug in a landfill. Oh, my God. Now, I was in shock because I didn't know if this was, first of all, I didn't know if it was true. I hadn't heard anything about it on the news or in the newspapers. I was just it was just what this gentleman was telling me. And also I remember her saying how the gentleman her her boyfriend changed when he moved into the house. So I remember going home and telling everybody in the house what had happened. Should and I wanted to I said, Do you think we should call the police and explain, you know, what happened and, and no, they said, We don't even know if this really happened. How do we know this mental this man was even telling us the truth? So I don't know if that had actually happened to Michelle or it didn't. It's just what the gentleman told me. But to me that was rather scary because at that point it changed from something that was non-threatening to something that, that maybe was very evil.
0: Maybe. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it would have been possible, Debbie, to go to either the police or a local newspaper and uh, find out if that, I mean, after all, if somebody's found uh, in, in a landfill and a rug dead, uh, that's going to be a story.
4: That's what I said, thought, the same thing. But, like, I, I told him, my, now my husband was the type, he read every newspaper, watched all the news. He said he hadn't heard a thing about it. So I don't know if that was true or if that wasn't true. And
0: Pretty weird just, comment to make either way. Uh,
4: right. It just put a lot of, you know, made me frightened at that point of what, what this thing could do if it was real.
0: Right, okay. Um... You could even at this stage, even today, you could go back and find out if such thing had happened. I'm sure.
4: Yeah, yeah you know what? That would be interesting to do to find out because sure um, Michelle Michelle was a nice lady.
0: It's not it's not a light comment you just drop on somebody. I mean, he must have had some knowledge.
4: That's yeah. I mean, where would it come out of the blue? I mean, there had to be some fact. The stories always have based on some fact.
0: Uh, or if made up. Why would somebody make up a comment like that? Good God. Yes. Found dead wrapped in a, a rug. Okay. Um all
5: right. Continue.
4: So, uh we left both houses empty. Uh we found a new place to live. Uh we were it was like 10 miles up the hill from where we lived. All right. And so we were moving very slowly. We, you know, they put the the property on the market and we were moving our possessions very slowly up into the new house. The very last day we were there at the house My mother-in-law and I were alone, and for us, this is when it really became hostile towards us. Uh, Everyone was gone. My mother-in-law and I were in the back bedroom. We were getting the last of her things, and there was one box. And all of a sudden, from the kitchen, we hear like almost like an explosion. We run to the kitchen, and the entity or whatever what happened, all the cupboards had been just ripped off the walls. Off
5: the walls.
4: Off the walls. There were pieces of them were lying all over the cover all over the all over the floor in the kitchen. Oh Jerry. Yeah, then we hear glass breaking. We go back into the bedroom to see what happened and it blew out all the windows in the back bedroom. My God. And I remember grabbing my mother in law by the arm and we, we we just ran out of the house and got in the car.
5: I,
0: and did what? I mean in the car, sure, for a while. Shock, uh shaking probably just sat there,
4: we did, wh- My mother-in-law was shaking. She was so frightened.
5: That
0: I guess we went.
4: We went back home. uh, When we were up at the new house, and thank God for for a small time, everything was quiet. Nothing happened. It was like we had, you know, we find our we found our 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 safe haven. We were okay. At least that's what we thought. But it didn't turn out that way. We, We were here for like three weeks, and then. A thing that anybody else would experience, they would just ignore it. Happened. A picture was turned backwards, and it was like a bell went off in my head. It was like
5: here we go again.
4: Know, it's, it was with us. So it 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 came with us from da- We thought we got rid of it by moving, but it didn't. It came with us.
5: Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so
0: here we go again. Uh, um, so it wasn't. The house, it was you or it was your mother-in-law.
4: It was my mother-in-law. Now, by this time, my husband and I and were trying to talk. My mother-in-law, she was the one that was against telling anybody what was going on or trying to find somebody to help us because she said people will think we're crazy or she had it in her head if things like this happen to us, we must be evil and we're getting punished for something. We couldn't make her understand, you know, this, this is something's happening. We need help. So we, were, from this point on, we became very isolated. Uh, we started to look for help, but we became isolated. We weren't allowed to talk to anybody about what was going on. Um, what do you, what do you mean? To, what
0: do you mean you weren't allowed?
4: My mother-in-law would, would, was just would go into hysterics. She wouldn't want anybody to know what was happening to us. I see. Okay. So we just kind of kept it to ourselves. Uh, and then it even then, the entity started to isolate us even more he would go where we went. And he would make it so uncomfortable where we went, we would stop going places. Like, we would go. We couldn't invite someone to the house, so we would go to visit them at their house.
5: Yes.
4: But the entity would do something. Like, we went to this gentleman's house. It was a friend of my husband and my mother-in-law's. And when we came home, on our kitchen table, was the gentleman's wallet. Now, we were just at his house. (sighs) How can we explain to this gentleman why we have his wallet?
0: Um very carefully.
4: <laughs> so it, it did things like that to make us so uncomfortable that we kind of isolated ourselves from everyone. And, and by this time, we finally got my mother-in-law to try to help, allow us to go and try to find help to tell people what was going on.
5: What kind of help?
4: Uh, first we, we first of all, we went to a psychologist right here in Rancho Cucamonga because I remember my mother-in-law was contacting the church at the time to try to get a priest to come to the house, and we decided to go to a psychologist to see if any one of us was causing this. So we went to a psychologist.
0: Gee, they wouldn't be the ones to really be able to pin this sort of thing down, would they?
4: No, not really. But my mother-in-law said we need to go find out if one of us is causing this. Okay. So we went to to the psychologist, explained the whole situation. He was dubious at first. The more we explained to him, the more he started to believe. Finally, he said, I can't help you. He said, you need to go to a, a parapsychologist or you need to get in touch with a church or some kind of institution that studies this kind of things. I can't do anything to help you. So that was the first avenue. Probably gave
0: you a referral slip and $200 bill.
4: <laughs> it was a big bill. So, um, my mother-in-law contacted the local church. Uh, she had been very religious. She had been had stopped going to church actually when her her mother died. Her mother and her used to go to church together. So she when her mother when her mother died, she stopped going to church. But she was still a very religious woman.
5: Right.
4: Uh, she contacted the church. They he the priest agreed to come to the house. He came to the house. It was an older gentleman. He walked in the house. He walked into the foyer and he wouldn't move from there. Uh, he was supposed to go through the whole house and bless the house. Uh, he said, no, no, I don't have to. I can make, I can do it here. He took out his holy water, and he made the sign of the cross in the, ho- in the hallway. And he said, okay, it's blessed. And my mother-in-law said, aren't you supposed to go to every room and do this? He said, no, no, this is good enough. I have to leave.
5: Huh.
4: So then my mother-in-law decided she would try to explain to him what was going on. And he didn't want to hear it. He looked at me and said, ladies, when they get this age, they get a little crazy. i got to get out of here. And he he just ran out of the house and jumped into his car.
5: Uh
0: Uh-huh. So the way you're telling the story, um, it sounds like he felt whatever it was, either was lazy or felt whatever it was and said, I'm out of here.
4: That's what I think it was because he looked frightened. It wasn't like, you know, he was too old to do it. It was just like he just wanted to leave. He wasn't comfortable.
0: Okay. Um, This is sounding more serious all the time. Okay, so uh, he tossed the holy water, said the words, split. Now, at this point, I'm sure you're hoping that did the trick anyway.
4: Uh, I was very doubtful that just that was going to affect this. But my my mother-in-law was crushed because she thought the church would help her. So this this really was a blow to her. Uh, from this from about this time, the entity started to focus all its negativity towards my mother in law. Right. Now it made my mother in law's life hell. It it destroyed her clothing. It would take one shoe, so she'd have a pair of shoes, but they'd be from different pairs of shoes. It it would take her money, her wallet. It would destroy her credit cards, her license. She wasn't. She couldn't own anything. She couldn't have anything on her. Her purse it would it would hide. Her glasses. She had a very bad eyesight. It would take her glasses, so she was constantly having to to buy new glasses.
0: All right. I don't mean to be insensitive, but I've got to ask this. Um, mm-hmm. You remember what the uh, the priest said, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes older ladies, um, particularly if they're scared or just because they're older, I mean, we all begin to change, right? So, mm-hmm. are you confident that the mother-in-law was uh, of sane mind and, yes, other than being scared, I, I get yeah. that, and I my, who wouldn't my be. My
4: mother-in-law was was an old-world Italian lady, as smart as they come, okay. and she was just frightened, but she was sane. Okay. And I mean I would see she'd go to her purse to try to get something and she'd pull out money it'd be all cut to pieces. Or cut she'd pull, to pull out her credit card and be it'd be sliced in pieces. So it would it was just oh. it just tormented her. Uh in the new house, it was quite large. Uh she had a bedroom upstairs with my father in law and it had its own bathroom and a sitting room upstairs. We had the bedroom a master bedroom downstairs which was a little bit further away from them. Okay. And other than and oh, another thing, it liked to do well, was knives. It would bring knives. Now these knives weren't our knives. I don't know where the knives came from. He just deported them. He would stick them through the bottom of chairs. Her, especially the, it would be the chair that she would sit in, so that if she sat, she'd sit on a knife.
0: You know, would, there's a message in that. You know, a fairly clear message. That would, you know, it would be. A, I get the me- I get messages. If if mm-hmm. if that started to happen to me, um, gee I don't know. Uh, you know I'd question my wife and my daughter. Uh, but if I realized that this was happening, you know, from something like this, um, I I don't know what I'd. Well, actually, I don't know what you can do. Uh, you apparently can't move because it follows you. Right. You can't stop it because it's not human.
4: Right? We can't even see it to defend yourself. What do you do? Yeah. You, you, and and it, it progressively got worse. I mean, she'd go to bed at night, and it would put knives in the pillow. So it got to the point where I'd have to be with her, and we'd go wherever if she was going to sit down. We used to have to look before she'd sit so she could sit down safely. I'm, I'm The all next for that. thing that happened to me was the most amazing thing. All these other things were just torment. But the next <sighs> thing to me was amazing. It started to write on the mirror with soap.
5: Okay. Uh, And it
0: was upstairs in her bedroom,
4: in the bathroom of her bedroom. What
0: is the first thing you saw?
4: Uh, The first thing it said was, I think it was, talk to me. Really? Yes. And then I remember my father-in-law... Okay, when it first happened, she was upstairs alone. So, you know, when she called me up, she said, you have to see this. I left the room, I came back in, and this was on the mirror. Everyone else was downstairs, so it just was her upstairs. So when we all came upstairs to, to look at it, to see what was going on, immediately the first thing you think of is one of us wrote it. Sure. Because I never even heard of, of, of ghosts or demons writing on things and actually communicating with you. Well, I never heard of that. Well, it was
0: in her room, so you would think she wrote it, right?
4: Right. So I. So well, what we did first, we we examined it, and I found out that it was soap. And so we cleaned it. We cleaned the mirror. Right. And we walked outside the, the bathroom. We were the only people in the house. There's only one door to the bathroom. The four of us stood outside the door. And I remember we talked. We said, if we go back in and there's writing, then we know none of us are doing this. We opened the door, we sure. went back in, right. and there was writing on the mirror. Oh, my God. So we knew then no one else could be in the little bathroom. No one else could get in the bathroom. We were in front of the door. And the four of us were right together. Perfect. So, we knew all right, so you know. Happening. All
0: right, so this time, what did it say?
4: Uh, it started saying uh, it didn't want us to go in the... Attic.
0: Don't go in the attic.
4: Right. It didn't want us to go into the attic. It started to pretend, it started to, now when it wrote, it would write all the time. It wrote, it pretended to be my mother in law's dead sister. My mother in law had a, a nickname when she was a child that only her one sister called her. Yes. It was Nini. Right. And the entity wrote on the mirror, Nene, don't go near the attic.
0: Sound advice in my opinion.
4: It did, so it didn't want us in the attic. It, it, it would say things, there's a bad wire, there's going to be a fire, stay away from it. It wasn't saying to us, if it was her sister, you know, have someone check out your attic, there's a bad wire in it, I don't want you guys to get hurt. It was saying a stay out of the attic. So it didn't want us in the attic.
0: Well, I'm impressed that there were four of you who, after immediately cleaning this mirror, went back in and then saw it. Okay, so that right. eliminates any any other possibility.
4: It did. At that point, we knew it wasn't one of us, and no one else could get in there.
0: All right, so usually, you know, when there's a button and it says, don't press this button, everybody does, they press the button. So it didn't want you to go in the attic, and, oh, my God, there's a mouse crawling across my table. I'm serious. Excuse me for a moment. Okay. I'm going to see if I can. I'm going to see if I can. God, what is a mouse doing here? I wonder if it's your influence. I'm going to see if I can get a picture of this. Hold on. What in the world is a
4: mouse doing in my studio? You know, it's funny because we were infested by rats yeah. for two weeks.
0: Yeah. Hold tight. Oh, now he's gone. Darn it. All right, where'd you go? I was just set to take a pee. He was just sitting right there. I'm sorry, uh, Debbie. I'm really sorry. You're in the middle of the story, and I'm talking about a mouse. Where did he go? <laughs> okay. Let's continue with the story, Debbie. I'll keep an eye out for the little guy. Okay. I, have, I hope it has nothing to do with your story. I hope so. <laughs> Please
5: continue.
4: So my father-in-law, we stood there. My father-in-law one time asked it what its name was. Yes. And it wrote Prince. It wanted to be called Prince. 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 Okay.
0: Uh, at and this point, apparently, uh, he was, you know, I don't know, getting used to this to the point he could do something like that, ask a question.
4: At uh, it, it, this point, yeah. Other than that, the time when it answered that, for the first, like, year, it didn't communicate with us more so it spoke at us you know it wouldn't respond to what we were asking it it would it would tell us things things it wanted us to do things we weren't supposed to do it became it almost became our, our we were almost like held captive
0: was it like bad things it was telling you i mean give me an it idea it was
4: bad things but it would it, you know it wanted it would say don't go in the attic don't do this don't bring anybody to the house if my mother-in-law and father-in-law had to go somewhere if we didn't if they didn't ask the, the entity you know, say they were going to go, it would destroy the car, so they couldn't go. It it had such power, it stopped us from doing some of the things we wanted to do. It would break windshields, break headlights. It was it was the most. It, you can't believe the feeling of of it almost being held captive in your yeah, house.
0: Yeah, this, this is very serious damage
5: for one thing. Oh,
4: it destroyed the house. The entity <sighs> had a symbol. It was a triangle. And it had a tail coming out the bottom, and it carved this symbol in the walls it it burned them in the walls, it cut pieces like four or five foot pieces of rug out in the symbol. it literally destroyed our house every day was putting our house back together.
0: That's incredible I, I you know I mean, how do you go on living with something like that? Now, I guess at this point you knew. It was with you, not just the house. So it wouldn't make yeah, any difference no, it, to move. it was with
4: us. I mean, no matter we went, like I said, we'd go out to dinner. We'd come home. On the kitchen table would be the name tag from the lady that waited on us. One time uh, we went out to dinner, and my mother-in-law looked down at her plate, and her meat, it had a big, like someone had taken a big bite out of her meat. Yeah. So where we went, it went.
0: Well, that sure takes the fun out of a a night out. Um, yeah. I... Okay, so there had no way to get rid of this thing. I mean, I would have tried another priest. I I don't know what.
4: We tried everything. We we called uh, uh, Lloyd Arbach. He was in charge. He had a a paranormal organization. I know him, yes. Yeah, he sent Chris Chacon out. And I remember Chris Chacon came out and he had, at that time, I've never seen one before, one of those meters, EMF meters or whatever it is. Yes, uh uh-huh. And he went through the house, and he checked it with that and everything. And when he was done, he couldn't do anything, he said. I said, well, what is it? What's going on? And he said to me, very very nice gentleman. He said, there's some things in this world you're never going to understand. And that was all they could do for us. Did he get... Everyone that came. And we we called. We went. We There was no one we didn't try. We tried uh, musicians. We tried people that, that practiced Wiccan. We tried... Uh, and uh, uh, we went to Thelma Moss. She sent out Carrie Gaynor because she wasn't doing it at the time. Uh-huh. He came to try to help us. No one could get rid of it. They would say, "We'll pray for you." We had <sighs> religious people come out. We'll pray for you, hmm. but no one could help us.
0: Um, oh, well, okay. Um, I, I'm lost. I mean, what at this point? What does anybody? do uh you mentioned he had a, a meter did anything register on the meter
4: he didn't tell me anything all he would tell me was you know there's some things in this world you're never I going understand. to understand
0: all right well i know lloyd so i'll talk to him about it yeah but obviously very, you...
4: lloyd Arbut very nice man he very tried, nice he was yeah very nice man um I'm trying to think other we had like i said people from all over we even wrote to people in different countries in brazil there was a gentleman that worked with this things. We, we contacted him. He told us to contact the Warrens. Uh, but before we contacted the Warrens, we, we had other people come out. We had a, a uh, this this is the time I saw it show itself, or at least used something to show itself. Uh, two um, shamans came out to the house. Very nice people. They came out. Um, by this time, they had the entity had destroyed my mother in law 's room upstairs to the extent, and it was so it was felt so dangerous now we all moved in together into the master master suite downstairs
5: huddling together
4: yeah, so now downstairs we have in thank goodness it 's a really large room has a sitting room, so we had beds in there, and we had bed in the other part, so we all stayed together at night we, we didn 't go apart my mother in law very rarely even walked through the house by herself
0: don 't blame you a bit,
4: no, I, I, I no. think
0: any group of people would be so terrorized, yes, you can do nothing. There is nothing literally you can do, so no. you try to survive
4: right that 's what you do. You try to survive the best you can. It got to the point where she 'd be sitting in a chair, she 'd turn next door, and next door her would be a knife sticking right next to her in the wall. Oh my God and these weren't our knives. We ended up with a box of knives. A big box of knives that weren't our knives that we just threw away. Really? He, yeah, he just supported them here.
5: So you saved them?
4: We, we had them in a box, and the, we threw them away uh, after about a year when the box uh, got filled. We just threw them away.
0: You had a, a box full of knives?
4: Yeah, and they weren't our knives. And they were all kinds of knives, old knives, new knives.
0: So... At this point, you, you had no idea. I, well, you were in discussions with this thing, right? I mean, obviously.
4: At, at, up to a point, we weren't, because in a way, like I said at the beginning, for the first year or so, he talked at us. He wouldn't really communicate with us. Later on, he started communicating with me. But at this point, he wasn't. Like oh, The last thing was like before the spear came. I'll talk to you about the spear. But before they spear? came, the Indians came. The uh, shamans Indians? came. Indians, yes, okay. shamans. Very nice people. They were, they really tried to help us. Um, there were two shamans came, a female and a male, and I went with them upstairs. Now, no one was upstairs. The entity took over the upstairs. It became his upstairs. Okay. You could feel it if you started going up the steps. You'd get halfway up the steps, and it was like something would just tell you no, and you didn't want to come back down the steps. You just left it alone. So we didn't use the upstairs for like six years. So,
5: oh, Lord. <laughs>
4: He went, the two shamans went upstairs. They asked me to come with them. I went with them. They did a ritual. They did, they had, uh, I remember, uh, feathers, and they were putting uh, sage, I think, all through the rooms and chanting. They opened up the door, which is right at the top of the steps. that goes into the attic. Um, They opened up the door, and they would blow the sage in. And as they would blow the sage in, a second later, something would blow it back out. And so their reaction? Said, yeah, you could see the smoke go in, but you could see something blow it out again.
0: And their reaction
4: to that? They they said, we have to go into that room. Okay. So they went into the attic. I stood right at the doorway so I could be right there seeing what was going on. Now, the attic had uh, a pink insulation around the, the walls, and he told me he was going to confront this and make it show itself. I stood right there and watched this happen. That's something I'll remember to my dying day. As I watched, the pink installation came off the sides of the wall and formed into a gigantic head. It was like a five-foot head hanging from a rafter. And it was just a head, that was all, and I only saw the side view of it. I didn't see the front. And it had a a huge chin and a large nose, and on the side of its head, instead of an ear, it had a circular horn. It started there and made a circle and went up and over the top of its head into a big horn. How are you taking
0: this, Debbie? I, I, the, even the on-average person could not take this kind of stuff happening.
4: You know, this is the truth. I don't know why, but from the very beginning, I was not frightened of this. It was almost like one of us in the house <sighs> had to be the strong one. My husband couldn't. He had a bad heart. My father-in-law wasn't a good person. My mother-in-law was weak, and I had a child. Someone had to defend the family, and it was left to me. So I just,
0: that was it. All right, Deborah Muffet, hold on. The head part, that would have been over the top. Way, way, way over the top for me. I'm Ardell. This is Midnight in the Desert. Tell you all about the mouse in a moment. Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable.
3: Set in the dark stays in the dark. Call midnight in the desert at one nine five two. Call art. That's one nine five two 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 five fifty two seventy-eight. All right. My guest is Deborah Moffat.
0: She's in a nightmare nobody can even contemplate. Um we part way through the story. It's just it's off the charts. Totally off the charts, as you can hear. I want to take a second, because I, I've never had anything like this happen before. Um, now I'm telling you, I you heard me when it happened. I just took a picture and I sent it to uh, to Keith. Now it's not of the mouse because the mouse is vanished, gone. Here's the way it came down, and it's just too weird. I I mean, on my right, literally, on my right is a Denon CD player, right? And above that, I've got a special Denon machine that plays Keith. No, Keith's voice. I've <laughs> got the evil Keith on my mind. We'll play uh, Ross's voice, Feel free to... you know, like that, when I hit a button. That's where the mouse was standing. Now, that's directly in front of me, right next to me. And this mouse is sitting there, eyes open, looking at me, curious or something. I mean, why would a mouse get that close to a human and then just sit there and stare? I turned to my left to get my camera, and, you know, I started to open the, the camera app, and I turned back around and it was gone. That was freaky. Let me tell you that was freaky. That mouse I'm going to name Abby. <laughs> I need to do something with the name Abby. Oh, God, I wonder where it is. What, what was weird about it is, A, it was so close to me. B, it was, it could have set off Ross's voice. It was just standing there. And C, it was staring at me. I'm telling you. I looked it right in the eyes. It looked at me. Oh, I know. Too much, right? But it happened, and, uh, I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> so anyway, I sent a picture, uh, to Keith of the equipment I'm talking about, and he's going to post it up there, I think. So you can take a look. You'll see how close this is to me. It's right here. I could have, well, if, I, if I'd if i been fast and had the guts, I could have grabbed him with my hand. That's how close he was. But the little sucker was staring at me. All right. Uh Gathering back together, it, it's just weird. It's weird that it happens when I'm getting a story like this from Debbie. Hey, Debbie. Yes. I mean, that's almost impossible. There's, you yes, know, a that's mouse yeah, they're pretty you know the kind of yeah, timid and scattered. This guy was I could have grabbed him with my hand, that's how close he was, and just staring at me. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, back to your weirdness. So uh this thing is ruining your life, it's ruining your house, literally destroying your house, it's putting knives hither and yon. In places where you might sit, not an awful thought and uh and there's there's no help to be had, uh, no matter who no. you see.
4: we tried everything it you know it got to the point where my mother in law was becoming distraught, which you couldn 't blame her. she had no life, she couldn't even have a, a money to do anything right. you know i i I believe that this entity, whatever it was, and I still to this day don 't really know what it was. I don't think it had the power to actually kill her. I think it wanted her to commit suicide. And uh. that was trying to drive her to suicide. Because with the power it had, I can't believe it couldn't just snap her neck if it wanted to. I you think know, that's a very, actually a very suicide. good point.
0: A very good point. It seems like it was trying to either scare her to death or, as you point out, uh, have her take her own life. right. Um, now,
4: now, when they moved down to downstairs with us in the master bedroom, and the, the entity no longer wrote upstairs because no one was up there to see it, right. it started writing in the bath, the guest bathroom downstairs. So it moved from upstairs to downstairs, not living but writing.
5: Right.
4: So that's where it did all its writing, and it wouldn't write a little bit; it would write morning, noon, and night, constantly writing.
0: Examples, and, please, of what it said.
4: Um it would like I said at first, it would tell us what to do how i got how it changed was like this this was after like two years of going through this this constant terror, especially with my mother in law and it got to the point it was just too much. Then something happened. the entity locked her in the pantry she got up to get some paper towels it locked her in the pantry. And it did grab her by the throat and, and throttled her. Now, like I said, with its strength and its power, it could have killed her if it wanted to, but it didn't. But it did leave marks on her throat. At that time, it just got to the point where I felt so helpless. Because what can you do? I couldn't, I was trying to protect her the best I could, but how can you fight at something you can't see? So I went into the mirror at this time. I was very angry with the entity. And I, I confronted it. And I told it, I said, listen, I'm going to treat you with respect. You'll treat me with respect. You're not to touch my child, my husband, or my mother-in-law, Lee. Mm. And I left the bathroom to see what it was going to say. A minute later, I walked back in, and it wrote on the mirror, I will not touch the child, I will not touch your husband, but Lee belongs to me. That's when it told me, when I asked it why, that's when it wrote the story of what happened in the past and why she belonged to him.
0: Well, wait a minute. It wrote the whole story.
4: Yes, it took a couple of hours. I would go in. He'd write on the mirror. I'd erase it. I'd go back out. Come back in. He told the whole my me the whole story.
0: Oh, huh, Debbie, I, I I don't get how you um, held up through this.
4: You know what? It's because I didn't have a choice. Well,
0: what okay, I do? yeah, I do get that. I guess I get that. But how? When I say held up, I meant psychologically held up how, how did you you know not go
5: bonkers
4: because I was so worried about everybody else and making sure they were safe and trying to appease the entity at the same time because I found out from that time on that's when I started calling the entity Mr. Entity I wouldn't call it Prince because I wouldn't give it that power over me to call it Prince because that's what it wanted. So I couldn't call it Entity. So I just called it, I told it I'd treat it with respect and sound silly, but I started calling it Mr. Entity. From that time on, I referred to him as Mr. Entity, and he would call me Debbie. And from that time on, instead of talking at us, he started to actually communicate with me. He would talk, he would write to me on the mirror.
0: Did you get any photographs of all this?
4: Uh, this is, you know, this is funny. When it first started, uh, we'd had one researcher come and he would say, "Now take pictures of everything that happens and document everything so that you can show the next researcher or you can show me what's happening." Yes. So we would. It, it'd write on the mirror. We write it in a book and we try to take pictures. Now some of the pictures aren't great because you have to remember back at that time it wasn't the digital camera where you could see if you took a good picture. Right. And taking pictures of a mirror, you got a lot of glare.
5: Right. Right, I yeah. get that, but you did
4: okay. you did so take pictures during this whole like six year period. we must have taken a thousand pictures, okay, right, but this is what would happen. The next researcher that would come would say to us, "Now you've got to get rid of all these pictures, you've got to get rid of all this documentation because you're keeping it here you're you're acknowledging it, and you're making it stay, so throw all this away, so it was a constant taking pictures, throwing them away, taking pictures, throwing them away. So luckily, my husband, who was a hoarder, he would not throw them all away. He had a box, which I didn't know about until he died. He would take some of the pictures, and he'd throw them all the time in the box. So I have like over 200 pictures, 250 pictures of the demon writing and the things that happened with the the negatives. So I, I have a box full of those, but they're not all the pictures because we threw most of them away.
0: Yeah, but it would be enough. Yeah, it would be that's enough. In the
4: book, The Unwelcome, that's why That's why I actually wrote the second book. Because the second book, actually, I just wanted to show people the pictures. There's over 100 pictures in that book of, of what went on. And that's what's so fascinating. Even even me, who went through it. See, for 25 years we hit it because once it left, we decided we're not going to talk about it because people said, well, don't talk about it because you'll bring it back. So we didn't want it to come back. So we never, for 25 years we made a vow. We never spoke to a person about it. No one ever knew anything about it. Even my kids didn't know about it. You said, uh,
5: you
0: indicated that something strange happened. Well, go ahead. Your husband died?
4: My husband died, and I was cleaning out the closet, and I found the box in the back of the closet. Right. And I opened it up, and it was full of the pictures from the demon.
0: Okay, and 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 those are in your book?
4: Yeah. Just a hundred of them. I have hundreds more.
0: You have a a hundred pictures in the book. That's pretty darn good, I'd say.
4: Yeah, I wanted people to see it. I wanted people to realize that, you know, this happened. Look, look what it did. Look how it communicated.
0: Okay, your books are a deadly haunting and Unwelcome. Right.
4: The Deadly Haunting is is the fiction version. It's based on the true story, but it's more fictionalized. But 95% of it's accurate. Okay. I wrote Unwelcome because I wanted to, everything to be the truth. I wanted people to know just what happened, and I wanted to show the pictures.
0: Well, all right. Um, um, now, you indicate that something happened involving animals. What
5: was that?
4: Oh, this is very sad for me to talk about because... It, the entity killed our animals. Um, when we left the first houses down on the other street, um, we left our dog down there the last night. We were going to pick him up in the morning because right. we had no place to put him. Right. And we had wrought iron gates. And the entity took the dog and he actually pulled the dog, a pit bull, big heavy pit bull. It actually pulled it through one of the, the three, four inch wrought iron Slot. Oh, my God. So half the dog was on one side and half was on the other. Oh,
5: my God.
4: And I, I just, I could cry when I even think about it that, that why we left that dog there. I remember saying, please, let's take him. No, he'll be okay one night. We'll pick him up tomorrow. And he wasn't. Um, it's so sad. She, it was just.
0: All right. You did contact Ed and Lorraine Warren, right? Right. I what,
4: contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren. What did they, they do? They were very nice people. They came out. Uh, this was back in let's see, eighty, eighty eight, I think, or was it eighty nine? The beginning of eighty nine. It was right. in February of eighty nine, I think it was. Right. Uh, they were very nice people. I contacted them. They said they were coming out to California to 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 have some kind of convention or something with a friend of theirs. I think his name was Chuck Moses from Los Angeles. Okay. And so they said they would stop and try and see if they could help us. Uh, Ed Ed Warren was. I mean, you could sit and talk to him for hours. He was such a very kind, nice man. Lorraine was a little different. She's a little standoffish, a little reserved. But they were both very nice. They, I remember they came into the house. Now, whenever the entity did something, very few times did you actually ever get to see it. It's like you had to turn your back or blink an eye before it happened and this is one of the things i actually saw when lorraine came into the the room she walked by a toy box and the toy box slid right out in front of her so i actually saw that and that was one of the rare times it did something in front of someone
5: um okay
0: so the warrens tried but no luck
4: they they came she she, we all sat down she said i'm going to walk through the house she walked through the house. She came back down. She had, a, she was rather pale. And I remember she looked at us and said, "This is the, this demon is the most powerful ancient evil demon I have ever experienced." She said this oh. is bad. I remember tor- turning dead and saying, "This is bad, Ed. This is really bad." Of course, my mother-in-law. I mean, my mother-in-law almost passed out when she heard this, because it really scared her. Um, they they told us they didn't have any contacts in California, someone who could come and help us other than them. Right. And so they decided. Ed said he would do a a, a rite of provocation.
0: Oh, I don't know what that is. Uh,
4: I, I actually I really don't know either. It's just he called the he kind of confronted the demon. Okay. But you know, at the time I think there was more than one thing in the house. Because you got the feeling there was one one strong thing and maybe some p- other things that weren't quite as powerful, but there was like one main thing that was the mean, bad one. And I remember they went in and we all sat in a circle. And at the time we had a researcher staying with us whose name was Gary, who was brought to us by a friend who, was, who became a good friend of ours, Brian Hurst. Mm-hmm. He tried to help us. He was a... a, a a medium in Los Angeles, a, a quite famous medium. He tried to help us. He wouldn't go into trance in the house because he said it was just too dangerous, but he did try to get people to come and help us, and he brought Gary. Gary was a researcher. He was staying with us, and the entity just hated Gary. He would torment Gary as much as he tormented my mother-in-law. So we sat in the circle, and Ed and Lorraine brought a gentleman, I think his name was Kevin, who videotaped everything. He videotaped it. And I remember we were sitting in the living room, and Ed did prayers, and he did some other kinds of things, and then he called forth the demon. Now, my father-in-law was sitting right next to me, and I remember my father-in-law started to change. (laughs) Excuse me. I don't mean literally change into a monster, but there was subtle changes. His arm curled up to his chest. His back started to bend forward, so he kind of leaned forward. And he he kind of became something different than what he was. And he stood up, and he he walked towards Ed, and he dragged his one leg, and he went towards Ed. And when Ed saw him coming towards him, he got frightened, and he held up a little piece of wood he had. And he said, this is a a holy relic from the cross. You can't harm me. And my father-in-law, in a voice that was completely different than his, but his voice, said, I'm going to bite your hand off and take your hand in that wood and chew it up and spit it in your face. And then all of a sudden, my father-in-law turned around, walked back in the couch, sat down on the couch, and went back to normal.
0: This is a horror movie.
4: It is. It's like anything that ever... I mean, we had, you know, I don't mention the things like the smells and the pounding and the banging because they seem so non-consequential compared to the other things that happened. Right, right. But and we had all that. We had like for two weeks we had like rats infesting. I mean, they were so bad that in the pantry you'd open the door and they'd be hanging upside down, swinging in the in the pantry. Really? We had birds for over a week that would bombard our windows in the bedroom.
5: I wish you hadn't
0: told the rat story. I'm still yeah, looking for things. We had rats. Uh, wonderful rats hanging upside down
4: hanging upside down just swinging i mean and they wouldn't move you'd go in and you'd look at them and they just look at you i mean it was like they weren't afraid of you
0: Now you're scaring me debbie because <laughs> you're doing so, this on purpose but, aren't you
4: <laughs> so so mr entity I, I remember asking mr entity it got to the point when i would communicate it got to if i communicated with mr entity yes i love to talk i would go in and talk to him <sighs> all the time if i talked to him he wouldn't be as destructive. It's like he was using his energy to communicate instead of destroy the house.
6: Now, you're
0: serious, so, are you really serious about the rats just staring at you?
4: I swear to you, they just would stare at you. They wouldn't run. They'd just look at you. And we'd have to back. I remember backing out of the pantry with Ma, and we say, oh, my God. And then, you know, my father-in-law said, oh, don't huh. worry. He said, I'll, I'll go get rat poison. And Mr. Entity wrote on the mirror, if you get rat poison, not only the rats will get the poison. Oh, my God. See, this is this is what he did. He would threaten us, but then he would back up his threats. He wanted us to bring a gentleman here who had come to the house before, who he said he had known in a past life. And he said, if we didn't bring him, something bad would happen. Well, we didn't want to bring this gentleman back to the house. You know, it wasn't the type of person we wanted to bring back to the house. Yeah. So he killed another dog. <sighs> To so see, that's what he did. He just, what could we do? How can you fight that? You can't fight something you can't see. There was no one to help us. It was just a matter of surviving. Our life became so bizarre. It was like what was abnormal to someone else would be normal to us, getting up, looking for knives, pulling knives out of the wall. I mean, we got to the point where we would just do it. It's like it wouldn't frighten us anymore because it became so part of our life.
0: Well, now you're starting to scare me a little bit. Uh I you know here I am listening to your story. Never in, you know I'm 70 years old, Debbie. Mm-hmm. 70. Uh a mouse does not come up 2 feet away from you, and that's how close this mouse was. I took a photograph by the way and sent it to Keith, so if you want to see how close it is to me, it's the device that allows me to play Ross Mitchell. This mouse, if he had put his foot forward just a hair would have set off one of those and played Ross Mitchell. Mm-hmm. That's how close it was. But what got to me was a little guy sat there and just stared at me.
4: Right. It's like they're they're not afraid of you. It's like they're they're almost just staring you down.
0: Well yes, uh that's never happened in my seventy years, uh Debbie, and here you are telling this story tonight and you get to rats staring at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you're freaking me out a little bit now. Uh, <laughs> I uh, When we come back, um I want to sort of finish up and then I want to begin to take some calls. Can you would you mind doing that?
4: Oh, certainly, I'd enjoy it.
0: All right. Uh what a night this has been. And if she had not come to the story on the rats, I would have been uh probably I'd be feeling a lot better right now. I'm telling you, I've never had anything like that happen in my life. You know, they run. They should be afraid of us, right? This guy was staring straight at me. And that must have gone on for 10 to 15 seconds or so before I turned around to get the camera. You know, I'd six with the camera. Then he was gone. Shouldn't say he. I named her Abby, right? This is Midnight in the Desert.
3: A dialogue sequence with Art Bell. Please coordinate your phalanges and call 1952 225 5278. That's 1952. Call Art. Well, okay.
0: Uh, Cheers to the person who said, Why don't we name that mouse Abby Normal? (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot. All right. My guest is. daring rats God, Deborah Moffat. so if you have questions for her and I can imagine you would um, I certainly do and incidentally you can go to my website not only seeing a picture of where that mouse was it's the little device with all the little white buttons that's where the mouse was uh, and also you can see some pictures that Deborah took so for all those reasons go to my website now and click on a picture of my guest Deborah Moffitt and follow the links um, apparently it'll take it'll go over to her website or maybe some pictures on my website I'm not really sure we're about to go to the phones and I really do want your help in asking questions this is a very very long term significant uh, haunting case or demon case I guess a demon case right we'll talk more about that anyway here's the talk uh, you're welcome to call now at, uh, area code 952-225-5278. That's area code 952-225-5278. You can reach us as well on Skype. Uh, North America is, we are, uh, simply MITD51. Midnight in the Desert 51. MITD, just the, uh, letters. It's not case sensitive. You can make it anything you want. MITD 5-1. If you're outside of North America, it's MITD 5-5. MITD 5-5. Once again, here is Debbie. Um, okay, Debbie, this is such an incredible, incredible story in every way I can think of. Um, you then called, uh, and you sort of gave us a story. Dr. Paglini, and a lot of people on right. this show have a lot of request, uh, a lot of request, a lot of um, respect for Dr. Paglini, the late great Dr. Paglini.
4: Well, like I said, she was she was just awesome. She I really had her loved. on
0: the show many times. Yeah, and really here's here's what I'll tell you. Uh, I had all kinds of seers on the show, Debbie. I had, you know, all kinds of psychics and people like that,
5: mm-hmm.
0: uh, trying to predict the future. Nobody nobody even came close to being as accurate as dr peglini uh, it was bizarre how accurate she was so if she couldn't do it i guess nothing could be uh, nothing could do it and she did say she couldn't get this thing out but she felt it
4: right well like i said she when she she came here tried to get rid of it. Then she called up later, like within a week's time or so, and she had my father-in-law write things on the mirror for her. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the, it was she wrote Doctor Baglini blank blank. And at the bottom of the one thing she had my father write, God protects us, and Mister Entity crossed off God and put Prince protects us.
0: <sighs> All right, there must have been a way. That you finally got rid of this thing. What did you do?
4: First, let me tell you about the spear because that is Spell, so, oh,
0: that's right, the spear. Oh God, so yes, amazing spear.
4: That, That's something I still have today. Um, <laughs> one night, my father-in-law jumps out of bed, and he said, "Oh, like like something had touched him," and it was like three in the morning. We go over to his bed, and in his bed, he picks up a spearhead. It's about oh, seventeen inches long. It's made of iron, some type of metal looks like iron, and it's hand forged. It's it's really old. And Mr. Entity writes on the mirror that he wants a blood sacrifice.
0: And he provides and blood. provides the spear.
4: And the spear must be used. He wanted my my father in law to use the spear on my mother in law, because he had to have blood for his ritual.
5: Oh. Okay. Okay. Um.
4: So the next day, I remember, I, I took possession of the spear because I knew if I had it, Mr. Entity never touched anything that belonged to me. He, For some reason, he, he I think he respected me. Apparently. He just stayed away from me. If I was with my mother-in-law, he wouldn't harm her. If I was away from her, he harmed her. If I had something that belonged to me, it wasn't touched. I took the spear and I put it away because I knew if I had it, Mr. Entity couldn't have it. We took it to the next day to uh, um, the Los Angeles um, Museum, History Museum, to see if we could have it identified.
5: Right. And? Uh,
4: the gentleman there, we got to go in the back with all the tables, and the, the gentleman came out and told us, he looked at it, and he told us it was a, a spearhead from the Belgian Congo area. Really? It was over 200 years old. Really? And he said it looked like it was brand new. He couldn't understand it because it looked so new, like it was just made. And he said it wasn't for hunting, it wasn't for warfare, because of the way it was sharpened, he could tell. He said this was the type of spearhead that's used for, the shamans use for magical rituals.
5: Huh. I
4: remember when I came home and I asked Mr. Entity, where did you get this? He said, I got it from the Congo. But he he told us it was a very special, special implement and that it had to be used for the blood ritual this was a
0: very conversational demon
4: it talked all the time matter of fact i told it no you're not i I actually said no you're not getting a blood ritual i'm not going to let it happen and it got so upset it blew out all the windows in the top floor
0: um who did all the repairs
4: my father-in-law and myself I mean, we had we had a, a big tubs of plaster because he used to gouge in the wall. If you look at some of the pictures you can see, he used to just take something and, and gouge in the walls. That's why I was actually happy when he started writing on the mirror because when he started writing on the mirror, he stopped gouging everything in the walls. I remember one of the researchers said to us, well, why are you letting him write on the mirror? Just take the soap away. Don't right. let him write on the mirror. And then I, I tried to explain to him, well, if, he, if we take the soap away, he destroys the house. It's best that he, he puts it on the mirror. We can wipe it off.
5: Right. Okay. And also,
4: if I communicated with him, he didn't. Like I said, he didn't just. He wasn't after my mother-in-law, and he wasn't after the house every minute. It was like he used his energy to communicate, and he liked to communicate.
5: Hmm.
0: I can see now. Um... For example, the, uh, the front of your book, uh, unwelcomed, Unw has what looks like a bloody, is that a spear? That's the spear. That's the spear. Mm-hmm. Lo- looks like blood on it. Oh my god, Gosh. look at this. I-, I can see a bed. Oh my god, a bed standing on end. Um, how does that happen?
4: Now this is strange. The room is a small room, it's it's a four poster bed. Sometimes we'd come in and the bed would be upside down and you had to take the bed apart to get it to be put it back up because the bed's too big to turn over in the room. Yeah. So it would be upside down.
0: Upside down's bad enough. But this yeah. is like it's would have to be balanced to be in this position.
4: Yeah, it was. So like I said, a few things happened in front of you. Oh, you most did everything get happened behind your back. Yeah. One of the most I think amazing, amazing things, even more amazing than the spear and the ports and everything else, is one picture, I, two pictures I took in the bathroom. Now, you have to understand, these bath. their bathroom mirrors were bolted onto the wall. Right. They were never taken from the wall until I redecorated in 2013. Right. I would go in, take pictures, and then, you know, we'd look at the pictures. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, so I was going through the pictures looking for pictures to put in the book. And I see one picture... And then I see another picture that was taken, they have dates on them, that was taken right afterwards.
5: Yeah, I see the dates.
4: And you look at the picture, and it's not, the reflection is not the bathroom. Do you you understand what I mean? Yes. If you look in the mirror, you see the reflections behind you the bathroom. That's the wrong
0: thing, yes, it's the wrong thing.
4: It's the kitchen. I can see the kitchen.
0: I don't know how you could have put up with this. I really don't.
4: We had no choice.
0: Yeah, I'm getting that.
4: What could we do? We couldn't run away from it. We couldn't get rid of it. No one could help us. We just had to survive.
0: Right. Um, There came a time, I guess, when you finally got rid of this thing?
4: Yeah, it left of its own free will.
0: uh, Why? I mean, it, it, it had an absolute goal, right?
4: Right. Here's what happened. Dr. Beglini... Um, Like I told you, she told us how powerful this was. But she said to me, she said, listen, the reason I can't get rid of this is because somebody in the house is giving it permission to stay. And if someone gives it permission to stay in the house, Uh no one can get rid of it. She said, I'm not telling you I can get rid of it even if that person leaves. She said, but we have a better chance. So she said, I said, well, who is it? She said, "We'll find out tonight." She said, "I'm going to do something." She said, "Tomorrow you call me and you let me know what happens tomorrow night." Yes. Okay. During the during the middle of the night, I think it was like 3:30 or so, my father-in-law jumps up in bed and he starts coughing like he can't breathe, right. just coughing and coughing, right? And shaking, and we thought we were going to have to call the ambulance because he he wouldn't stop. Then just like it started, he laid back down and went right back to sleep like nothing happened. So the next day I told Dr. Paglini what happened, and she said, he's the one that's giving it permission to stay in the house. And I I found out, the entity actually wrote to me and explained to me that my father-in-law, my father-in-law was not a very nice man, not a nice man at all. And he had got to the point he was sick of my mother-in-law. And so he was actually encouraging the entity to kill my my mother-in-law. So when the entity oh. explained this to me, I, then not only did I have to protect her from the entity, but I had to protect her from her husband. And she was one of these old-world Italian ladies. We would say to her, Ma, you've got to get rid of him. He's got to go, or we can't get rid of the entity. Oh, no, no, it's not him. It's not him. We even sent him to, to a psychiatrist, everything, to try to find out if, if, you know, if the hostility he had towards my mother-in-law. Nothing helped. Finally, she made him move out. When he moved out, the Entity didn't leave. The Entity still stayed, but he became more community. He liked to talk even more when my father-in-law was gone. Once he, my father-in-law was gone, and I knew nothing was keeping him in the house, and Gary was still living with us at the time, I remember telling Mr. Entity, you have to go now, Mr. Entity. No one's keeping you here, and you're not going to stay here. Gary was a researcher who was kind of down on his luck, He decided because the entity was so powerful that if he welcomed him into his life, maybe his life would be better. So Gary told me, he said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell Mr. Entity he can come with me. I'm leaving. I'm going to England. He can come with me. Mm -hmm. So I remember I went in and I told Mr. Entity, all right, Mr. Entity, it's time for you to leave now. You have to go. Gary said, You can go with him. And the entity wrote on the mirror, I don't want to leave. And then he wrote, I will, not, I will not work with an inferior being. Mm. I will destroy him.
0: Whew. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to some calls. Uh, you okay. actually, this story did a pretty good job on me tonight. <laughs> um, hi there. I think uh, Orleans, Ontario maybe?
6: That's right. This is Kimmy Jay, and I want to send a shout-out to all my DM talk peeps. Especially to Michael and Rob. Um, hi Art. Hi Debbie. Hi. hi. Um, I have a question uh, concerning EVPs, and I'd like to know if Debbie caught any, and if she has any up on her website.
4: You know what? Back then, no one even brought up the subject of EVPs to us. We were novices in this. We were we were just fighting to stay alive i didn't you know if someone would have suggested it, I would have tried it, but no one even suggested it yeah
0: and you might, you didn't really need to hear voices. you had it all written out for you
6: right. You would write it okay, perfect, thanks a lot you're, you're, nice
0: you're very welcome listen folks uh be sure you take a look <laughs> at these photographs the one the ones that are on my si- uh, website just down below uh deborah's picture uh, you'll see her books, and then you'll see. This bed, standing on end. When I mean on end, two legs. The other two legs clean up in the air. This was serious stuff. You'll see a picture of this, uh, spear. I guess that's what it is, a spear. How big was that?
4: It's about 17 inches.
0: Okay. And it looks like it's made for ritual sacrifice of some kind. Oh,
4: right. That's, the, the entity told me what this spear is possible, it has the capability to do, and I, I won't even talk about it. I mean, I just keep it put away so it can't hurt anybody because if the entity gets it again, get, I'm afraid he will hurt somebody with it.
0: You're, are you afraid it's going to come back? No. Good. Robert, uh, you're on the air with Debbie.
1: For us, uh, your, your story. It,
0: okay, I'm, I'm very moved by it, too. But, uh, Robert, I had to cut that out. I don't want you to give your last name on the air.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I had so, no idea. My bad. So, Robert. Uh, can I start again? Yes. Uh, hello, I just wanted to say Deborah is story you've moved me and uh, we have a research group here um, and we have gone through something very similar we have found that it's the interaction between when the spirits or demons talk to you and they after the person someone does need to give permission but also anyone else anyone sensitive who can hear them it's the interaction that seems to give them energy the more you talk to them the more they can affect you. There's so many people I found going through this now. I just wanted to let people know that. And the mouse thing, that when I was first in a house, when I first started being able to hear, I didn't believe what I was hearing. And it's like they wanted to prove it, and a mouse, a big rat, walked up and stared at me exactly when Art started saying what had happened to him. Chills just tore through my spine. They... This is like the fifth time I've heard this. The fact that it happened live to art is uh, just flabbergasting. And uh, so that is, um, I'm very happy to hear that after that man left, after he was uh, put out of the house, that the entity finally did leave. That, at least, I can tell some of the people here who are still suffering from that, that there is hope. They just have to. I wish I knew how that, how your person that helped you made the made him cough so you could identify who in fact was uh, giving permission. Uh, I would love to know how how to do that. Is it, a, is it a prayer? Is it a ritual? Or If you could elaborate on that, I would love it so much. When, Thank you.
4: When Mr., When Gary gave him, told him he could go with him, Mr. Entity said, no, I'm not going. I, I want to stay here. And all I did was say, no. You're not staying here. You have to leave now. It's time for you to go. And he said, I won't work with an inferior being And this is so strange, because for a a, a demon, when he he talked, he said, then he wrote, I said, well, why won't you go with Gary? He said he has no integrity, he has no word, and he gave like a list of things, and I thought, what a strange thing for a demon to demand from a person to leave with when he's a demon. Yet he expected the person that he left with to to have like integrity. That was so strange.
0: Yeah, this whole night is strange. Um, Let's go on to our next caller. Uh, You're on the air with Deborah. Hi.
7: Hey, how you all doing? Uh, I just wanted to say that I find the subject of apports uh, to be extremely interesting. That's the most interesting thing I've heard tonight. Um, I I just wanted to clarify with you, Debbie, um, there there was no apparitions that have appeared during the situation?
4: My mother-in-law saw something twice. She saw blackness like, come after It actually chased her down the hall. And uh, she saw like the black, like a blackness. Uh, no, Nothing with the eyes, no form, just black.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: She went after her yeah. twice when she was like alone. A shadow,
7: fig- like a shadow figure of some kind?
4: Actually, she said it wasn't even a figure. It was just blackness, like a black cloud. Hmm. I, was the only thing, in, is like I, I said, that I saw that resembled when it showed itself with the insulation.
7: Have you uh, ever heard of the documentary, The Afterlife, Afterlife Investigations, either of you? There's a lot of mm-hmm. afterwards. No. Uh, no. Yeah, it's, um, it's a study by Skoll. That's what the name of the – it was a British study of uh, these sort of things. It's very interesting that I think both of you should check out. It's called The Afterlife Investigations, and it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen dealing with AppWorks and all
0: kinds of different things. All right. Well, I'll check it out to be sure. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you remain interested in this sort of thing, uh, Deborah, or do you want to put it behind you? Do you and know just...
4: what? I still have an interest in it. I don't want to get involved in it because I just, you know, I've been there, done it. I just don't want it. But it's still very interesting. Why it's interesting to me is because I have so many unanswered questions how things happened, why they happened, who this was. I would love someone to say, you know, no, to research it and say, you know, this is what really happened, this is what it was, this is why it could do this. That, that, that I would love because I just have, I have no answers.
0: I get it. Okay, um, let's go to Twin Cities for Deborah. Hi,
8: hi, Art. This is Rocky. Um, I had a couple questions. One of them was answered. I, w- I was going to ask um, if she tried removing the soap, but I guess she answered that. Um, so uh, I was wondering if the entity could kill animals. Why she thinks that it couldn't actually harm any of the humans?
4: Because I believe that a human is a higher soul, and I don't think I don't think the demon could kill it. I think that that's just I think even demons have rules. That's my own belief. I don't know if it's true or not.
5: Demons have but, rules.
4: Yeah, I think there There's certainly yeah, everything has certain rules. And I, I really don't believe a demon can actually kill someone. I think they what, they drive them to suicide, or they scare them to death, or they influence somebody else to hurt them.
0: Actually, that may be a pretty good point um, because rarely do you ever hear. But but a dog torn in half, literally. I mean, my God.
4: It was it was it was horrible, absolutely horrible.
0: Any anything else, Caller?
4: Um
8: Seeing the the image of the the spear it sort of um reminded me of uh images of uh ancient relics uh about the uh the spear of destiny the um the uh the spear that was used to uh pierce the side of Jesus
5: it does look very ancient to me
8: yeah it uh there there are different relics throughout history and that had claimed to be it um the the one that I've seen images of, it was just the uh, the, the point of the spear, very similarly similar to um, what she took a picture of.
0: Did you see the picture of the bed up above? Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> this is the serious stuff that you see in horror movies. Really, it is. Uh, okay, well, thank you, caller. Um, you've written books. Do you think uh, Debbie, any anybody biting on a movie?
4: You know what? I never even pursued that my My first goal was just being able to tell people what happened after so many years of hiding it. I just felt so good just telling people, "Look, this really happened." I mean that was my first goal just to get it out there to let people know what happened, to be able to just tell people about it
0: no yeah, I, I I get it uh that helps to be able to talk to people. There's no it question did. about it.
4: It really did help.
0: All right. Uh, let's go to uh, Chase, I believe it is, on Skype. Hello.
4: Hello. How are you guys? We're fine. Good. Thank you.
1: Great. Uh, Deborah, I wanted to ask you if you ever did any research on Prince, actually. Um, I vaguely remember something about uh, Solomon in the Old Testament, uh, working with some former demon called Prince, or any kind of research on the triangle with the tail.
4: You know, uh, we had Todd Hendrickson, who is a researcher right now, looking into it and he hasn't found anything that matches it completely yet he's still looking, he's still researching but no one can come up with it but uh, you'll see, if you see some of the pictures in the book, I mean he put this the symbol everywhere, so it was his mark
1: Well, wow, it's very interesting I only one question I had art times like this, really makes me miss following Malcolm Martin <laughs> hearing this kind of story
0: Alright, thank you very much for the call and, uh, and take care Um this is just an odd night all the way around. Hello there. You're on the air with uh, Deborah. Hello. Hello.
6: Hi. Um, I just wanted to say that in your picture, where you're supposed to have the mouse or whatever right behind that machine that says Denon, um, it looks like the little mouse is looking at you from underneath the white wire.
5: No,
0: no, no. Okay. So if you see the Denon uh, machine, right? And then there's yeah. a, another machine on top of it with a whole bunch of white buttons, right? Yes. Yeah. That's where it was standing.
6: And if you look right behind, there's like a little white square on there. Like, the, the left yeah, it's button. an LCD. So right behind that,
0: the little white square is an LCD display. And he had his feet on that. He was just sitting there, she was just sitting there staring at me, just staring at me, kind of like Debbie said the rats were staring.
6: <laughs> Seriously? If you look right behind that, underneath the twisted black and white wire, um, it looks like there's something furry. I think it's
0: the mouth. I I, I don't think so. Trust me, I've been doing nothing but looking. It's not there now. But thank you for the call. Thank Uh, you. Take care. That sounded like a youngster, proving my point that uh, we get them all the time. Uh, Chaz, hello. You're on the air with Deborah.
1: Hey, Art. This is Chaz calling from Vegas. Welcome. Uh, Hi, Deborah. Good evening. I have a quick uh, question for you. I know I've heard of a lot of uh, people who um, deal with this type of thing mention that the more you talk about it, the more type of power you give it and you acknowledge it and, you know, welcome it and that type of thing. And I know you would mentioned that you weren't really worried about it coming back. I mean, it could be a possibility. What would you do? How would you handle it if it did come back?
5: Hmm.
4: I, I truly believe, believe my whole soul, it can't come back here. It won't come back and it can't come back here. It's gone okay. from here. It's okay. still out there somewhere tormenting someone, but it's not going to be me or my family.
1: Oh, well let's hope it's not out there. Let's hope it's gone for good.
0: Did you like uh, call her get that. to see the photographs?
1: I did. Do you know the one the one with the mirror and the writing on the mirror? Yeah. It looked like a flash from a camera, so that was kind of hard to see and she admitted right. it was like the reflection of the kitchen right. yes. and not the bed or the bathroom.
0: No, this but I the, think she's talking about another picture perhaps, are right. you?
4: Yeah, you know, it's a different okay. picture. There's one that if you if you had the book, it's on nearly the last page. It's a really okay. good picture. And it well, shows the, w- and it shows the kitchen. Okay. And it's like how can this be? It's in the being taken in the bathroom.
1: Wow. Well, the one of the bed was, whew, that was pretty wicked, man.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of like out of any horror movie you can name. All uh, right, Chas, thank you very much and take care. Uh, let's go to, uh, oh, how about Benton, Arkansas, on the phone. Hello.
2: Hi, this is Joseph. This is a first-time caller. How you doing, Art?
0: Very well, Joseph. Uh, thank you for calling. Great to have you.
2: Well, yeah, it's great to be on the show, man. I really like it. Um, I was going to ask Debbie, though. Did you ever have anybody like a um, ceremonial magician? Anybody that did things like that, that drew yes, the or a- anything?
4: Yes, did, we had that. Did the, that work at all? N- nothing worked. Matter of fact, Mr. Entity would make fun of them when they left. Or if they left anything around, like some witches would come and they'd leave candles, you'd turn around and Mr. Entity had, would take the candles and throw them in the swimming pool. We had all kinds of religious oh, wow. objects and candles in the bottom of the pool.
2: Mm, okay. Well, I was just wondering that because um I've actually seen that work before and um I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Monroe or the Monroe Institute.
5: I am. Sometimes
2: no. it's hard to t- hard to tell if this is just a astral being that's stuck and angry or is it really a demonic deep part of our consciousness like an evil part of us all because really mm-hmm. the spirit world is a part of every one of us. So that's just my belief anyways. So Maybe Do you know what
4: I can tell you honestly, I don't know really what it was. I just know it was very it. evil, and it was it was a very destructive thing,
2: scary enough not to think about it, huh?
4: <laughs> yeah, it is. I just let it go.
0: I must All say right. you, you, a lot, Art. you you bet sir uh, you held up so well, debbie, I mean so really well, I'm amazed, I would not have held up that well I guarantee you in fact this stupid little mouse just has me going now and uh, and so if I were to see something like the picture you have up there of the bed up on end impossible absolutely impossible I'd run I would run and I wouldn't stop running until I thought I was far away from whatever was happening but you didn't have that option I don't know he um,
4: was running right with us
0: yeah, exactly. So you you had no options left. All right, hold it where you are. Everybody, um, all those lines are full. We have uh, a Skype availability always, so you can try that. In North America, we're MITD51. That's MITD51. Outside the country, outside North America, MITD55. And, of course, our national number, when we get some free lines, 952-225-5278. And we'll give you the first-time caller line when I come back.
3: Matters are best handled by those that understand how to move in the darkness, like Art Bell. To call the show, please dial 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. What a night. Uh, all right, that's our national number. Skype, of course, at MITT51
0: or 55, outside the country. And our first-time caller line. I always forget to give that out. It's area code seven seven five two eight five. Fifty-eight hundred. That's area code 775-285-5800. If you have never called the program before, uh, Deborah Moffat is on here with about the best horror story I guess I've ever heard, uh, including photographs, uh, which you can see on com, and you can make your way over to her site and see many more. It was a six-year odyssey, of sheer terror, with knives and <laughs> spears and dogs ripped in half and, oh, you name it, it happened. Uh, let's go to uh, Matt on Skype. You're on the air.
2: Hey, good morning, Iron here. Good morning. Matt, Matt from New Orleans.
0: New Orleans. Yes, hey, I, you know, I should add, we are... DM by by the way, the we're terror. working... We're working real hard on uh, WWL in New Orleans.
9: Yes, I read that, and that's going to be unbelievable. That's going to be great, <laughs> big monster WWL. Uh, you can hear it all the way into North Louisiana.
0: So I've heard. Yes,
9: yeah. um, great entertaining show tonight. I said a couple of real quick questions. Deborah, uh, did anyone ever see uh, the Mister uh r- doing his writings on the mirror? No. Was-
4: it never, it never would, right in front of you. You had to turn your back or leave the room for a minute and come back.
9: And uh, I, know, I may have missed this earlier, but was there ever any smell? I don't know why through the whole show yeah.
4: just smell yeah, like Old like Spice. Like I said or something. There were a lot of those things. We had the smells, smelled like uh, uh, rotting food, rotting flesh, noises, poundings. I remember the night before the the shamans came to the house, the whole night it pounded on the walls in the beat of like the war boom 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 boom. You know, and the entity and knew the entities uh, the the shamans were coming the next night and it pounded like that the whole night before they came. So we had all that.
2: All right. Thanks a lot,
0: Art. You're welcome. You know I can smell something odd now too. I, I wasn't even gonna mention that, but something smells a little different or weird in here. I think what it is. Is I've been psychologically traumatized by Abby Normal and your story. <laughs> Convinced that's what it is. All right, let's uh, go to the phone, and uh, I think Washington, Silverdale. Hi.
6: Hello. Hello. Um, you know, I to, Hello. Um. You know, I wanted to say I I truly believe everything you've said. But what I'd like to encourage you to do for future uh, research, people. Um, because in the past we've had extraordinary stories, and there's not enough research been able to be done, and somebody will uh, you know pass away or family members pass away and then we're kind of the community of researchers are just kind of left with with well um, hearsay you know because there was no proof.
0: Well she sure had a lot of researchers uh, there ma'am. She
6: sure did. Yes she did. That, that's not and, what I'm getting
4: at. And I you know, know what? what I, I still I, I still welcome anyone who'd like to research it. I'm I'm open to telling them just what happened showing them everything. Of course. I would like and answers myself.
6: What, What I'd like to encourage you to do for two reasons is that that situation where the woman had had uh, died and uh, or been killed and uh, placed in a rug. Yes. Uh, you know, in that situation, while you still remember the one, the dates and the woman's uh, name and identification enough that you knew about her and the individual that she was living with, if you'd call the cold uh, the cold case uh, detectives in that area, and just agree. give them a little information, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, that way, there's there's been some kind of uh, not that I don't believe that this entity could have done that, but you you've helped with that situation, case that woman's you know um, you know family and, and and that you've helped with that, but also in the future that gives validation that you've done everything mm-hmm. you can to to isolate that out of the po the realm of her being murdered by a person, sure. and mm-hmm. um, you know I think those kind of things while that's still available that could
0: Ma'am, uh, understand, ma'am, understand, that murder could have been committed by a person. I mean, th- there was oh, yes, domestic definitely. abuse going on there, so...
6: Very definitely. definitely. And, and and so, you know, not to say that that individual that could have murdered her couldn't have been attacked by this entity and caused it, you know, yeah, yeah. caused the person to do it, too. So right. I truly believe everything you've said, but as much as mu- this valid, that would even validate your efforts to try to to try to, you know uh, push this forward because I do believe everything you've said and I think mm-hmm. you're right on the trail. But those th- kinds of researches tell, you know, and, and you've done everything you can. You're a very brave woman, I'll tell you. And wow. I don't think thank you, you have any alternatives, but you're incredible. So thank, thank you. you so much.
0: I thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, six years. There's no way to get away from it. There's no way to run away from it. There's no way to stop it. And God knows she had everybody in there a lot of people you know and I and I know tried and didn't have any luck with it, so uh let's go to I don't know where it is, but on the phone you're on the air.
7: Hi Art. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I have a few quick questions for Deborah and then I can take my answers off the air. Number one, did anyone at any time demand to know the identity of this entity? Yes. And did it ever identify itself?
5: As Prince.
7: Oh, okay. Uh, what part of California did this happen in?
4: The Rancho Cucamonga area.
7: Okay, thank you. I know it well. Also, other than the the five-foot head with the horn coming around mm. the, the top of the head, did the entity ever show itself to anyone?
4: It, it just showed itself as blackness to my mother-in-law. Like black cloud twice it chased her.
7: It was a cloud, not an actual like a type of form.
4: No. no, she said it was more like a like a blackness.
7: Okay, well good luck. I hope it doesn't return to haunt you anymore, and I give you kudos for what you put up with for six years. You're Thank a very you. strong woman, Deborah. You're welcome.
4: Thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, apparently it doesn't respond well to a cross. Uh, or a Bible, or a religious artifact of of any kind, right? It,
4: it used to, what it did to all her statues, her religious statues, it would snap the heads off. And it would also, oh, on the cross, And it would it would also break off the left arm. It had a, a certain thing it did, snapped heads and broke off every left arm.
0: God, this is a scary story. I just don't know how you made it through, but you had no choice again, so... Still, you, you, you kept a very level head. I mean, as I hear you talk about it now, it seems like you did keep a very level head.
4: Yeah, I did. I, I, you know, and if you probably heard this story from my mother-in-law's or my husband's perspective, it'd probably be a lot scarier because I was <laughs> not really I – was, I was frightened for my family, what it could do into them. Of course. That's what I was frightened for, but I wasn't frightened of it. It was almost like – it's okay. I know it's not going to hurt me. I have to be here to protect them.
0: Uh huh. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm, let's go to the phones uh, down to San Antonio, Texas. Hello there.
10: Well, hello. Hi. Um, th- thanks for taking my call. I God, I've enjoyed your show for years. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. I really mean it too. Um, I can't. You know, for the first hour and a half or two hours, I've been listening to you, you know you and um Deborah talk. Right. And at first it was I was I am the eternal skeptic and I'm going like, oh really? Oh come on. But now that I've heard her entire story, um I'm actually kind of creeped out myself. It it kind of scared me. I have um a very good friend, I'm not gonna put her name out on the air, but um she has a daughter who seems to attract these things too and um I was never there to actually see these things, but I've known this this woman for like 20 years, and I don't think she would really exaggerate about things like chairs moving in her kitchen and stuff. So, um, even though it took me a while to kind of really get into what um, Deborah was saying, I, 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 you know, like a lot of the callers, I'm actually amazed that that. Debbie, you were able to actually put up with this for so long.
0: Except there was no choice, and I, you know, I keep saying the same thing, but there was no choice because this thing followed her. It wasn't in the house. It was, it was after her, her after mother-in-law. So there, there was no choice. It, it followed them no matter where they would go. Even if they went out for the night, it followed them. So imagine the horror of that. I for six years, I can't even imagine. You know, it, no. this is a freaky story and. I don't get scared easily. Tonight I don't know why, Debbie, but this scared me.
4: You know what? Mr. Entity was a very, very evil entity. It was it was he was evil. Yeah, well it wanted to kill. Yeah.
10: Huh. So you, you actually really do believe in like there's evil out there. I mean
4: I lived with it. So I know what it exists. Yeah.
10: Wow. Okay. There are bad humans and there are bad Whatever is but um evil.
0: I mean think about it, caller think about it for a second. If okay. it was you and this mm-hmm. thing began to attack and communicate with you, and it wouldn't matter who you called in, priests, um people who were really good like uh Evelyn Paglini, the Warrens with with this type of thing, they could do nothing. There was nobody who could do anything, and you were night and day. This thing was with you, and there was no way to get rid of it. Now, that's frightening.
10: Well, you know, I I do a lot of reading, and I'm not overly religious, but what I have learned is that if you're really in that much of a bad situation, I don't think there really is much that a a human being can do about it and that's when you have to call upon whoever you believe in, you know, God, God, Jesus, whoever, and you've got to let ask them to come in and help you and they and did help that you they, help uh,
0: you. Sir, they had a priest in there.
10: Yeah, I know. But obviously the wrong one.
4: Yeah, uh, my mother-in-law prayed continually. I think her strong belief in God is what got her through this. Huh? Because she believed that and eventually, God would win. So, goodness would win. So, I think that's what actually kept her sanity through this was her strong belief in God.
0: I have a quick question, Deborah. Um, why not call another priest? I mean, if the first priest
4: we and... tried other priests, and? we try went to other priests and they would say, um, we we have to get permission from the bishop to do this. And oh yeah. It yeah. was a time when it was almost like the Catholic Church was trying to poo poo things like this going on there
0: was that period actually with the church
4: yeah it was like they didn't want to address the situation so that's what happened i mean we tried other priests
0: okay um anything else caller well
10: there is one thing i you were talking to the young one about the the picture on the, the like of the tenon yes and i've been looking at it and if you look at the uh the LCD, and just above the LCD and below the the like white and black wires. Yes. It does look like there's a mouse hiding there. It's not. It's
0: like. not though. It's.
10: Um, it, was it like a rag or something? Or? It,
0: that's just a, uh, a what's <laughs> called a ferrite. It's a ferrite on a on a cable. No, I it's
10: think it, like where the twist is,
0: or. It's right below the black and uh, white wires. It's actually sitting on a ferrite which is a kind of a round thing. So trust me, it's not a mouse.
10: Okay. <laughs> but I can, I can sure understand where the youngling came through. Yes. That. Okay, well, thank you very much, Art. Art. I appreciate your time.
0: You're very welcome. Uh, let's go to um, the phone and say hello. You're on the air.
9: Hey, Art, this is Josh from Dallas. Hey, Josh. Um, at
2: first when I heard this,
9: uh I sort of ran everything through my head and I think the thing that really got me, I just went on your site and I, I looked at the book and the symbol that is on the book. Now was that the symbol that Deborah had been shown by this entity?
4: Yes, that was it's a triangle with a tail. And he put that all over. He even carved it into our car.
9: Oh Have you ever heard of an Iblis? No. That is the symbol of the iblis jinn. What is that? That is, the, It is spoke about in the hadith. I saw that exact symbol whenever I was in Afghanistan in can, 2010.
5: Can you spell that for me? Really? Can you spell that, please?
9: I-B- I-B-L-I-S. Okay. It is the third, the third type of jinn. That is why you saw smoke. That is why you had certain smells. Now d you mean like
4: water because this this one had a lot of control over water.
9: Yes, they are they are I guess is the term people would know it as they're elementals. You had the Iblis, the third kind, are rooted to one area but are capable of moving about. The other type uh the second type uh either takes the form of a dog or a snake. Um, And because I was doing some quick research looking into that spear coming from the Congo, 200 200 years ago in the Congo, King Leopold II had taken over that area and was cutting off hands of people who were not acting, weren't working fast enough. That place holds like... $50, $60 $50, $60 trillion dollars worth of minerals. And we're, even here recently, the elected president in the Congo had been executed, and the United States and Belgium had been accused of causing their president of being hmm. ousted.
0: All right, very quickly, in Islam, uh, Ablis is uh, a jinn who refused to bow for Adam. Does that sound familiar?
9: Yes, that is that is what this is.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you uh, very, very much for the call.
4: That's fascinating.
0: And I guess you're going to have to look it up, uh, Deborah, and see if you can find the symbol.
4: Yeah, I will, because no one's ever been able to find that symbol.
0: Okay. Well, I'll be looking, too. Uh, One last caller, if we have the time. Hi.
2: Hi.
9: Um, My name is Sean. I'm in Austin, Texas. Hey, Sean. Okay, so oddly enough, the guy that was just on the phone, yes. um, I'm very familiar with what he was talking about, and he kind of took the words out of my mouth. This de- this was definitely a djinn that was interacting with her. Uh, like he said, they come in the form of an animal, and, uh, yeah, I don't really have much else to say because the previous caller just kind of answered everything. Yeah, this was definitely a gin that was messing with her.
0: That's pretty amazing. Um, All right, well, thank you so very, very much for the information. We'll research that. We'll look for the symbol. And, uh, Deborah, we're out of time. We just did a whole show. Holy mackerel, where did the time go? But I think we pretty much got the story out. And uh, I I just want to tell you, uh, thank you for unraveling that story here, Deborah.
4: Thank you so much, Art. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
0: Have a have a good night and again thank you. Thank
5: you, good night. Good night.
0: What a night. In in so many ways. (laughs) What a night. I wish I could have snapped that picture for you folks. I'm not gonna be over this for a while, actually. (laughs) Just a mouse. Abby normal, but just a mouse. From the high desert to all those time zones out there. Good night. Oh,